Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're starting our discussion on the evil within, the runner-up, and the fan vote uh, poll that we had back in May. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always are the homies. First off we got Greg. What up? Next we got Trevor. What's going on? And last but not least we got the homie Dante. Hello, hello. Um, Since... You guys chose this game, the fans. Uh, I will intro it then. So um, here's a little backstory. So The Evil Within is uh, known as Cycle Break in Japan. And it's a survival horror video game developed by Tango Gameworks. And it's published by Bethesda. And obviously I don't need to get too brief or go too deep into Bethesda. Um, They've been around 30 plus years and recognized as a prominent studio in the industry. Uh, and just like they have a extensive history of developing and publishing well-regarded games over the past three decades, and just in, just in the ten years, here's like a list of things that they have touched: is the Fallout series, uh, Dishonored series, the Doom series, Wolfenstein, uh, Evil Within, um, as well as like some uh, standalone games like Prey and Wet, and then. Uh, now I guess you can call it the Rage series. So they they have a distinguished pedigree. Um, uh, but Tango, uh, well, actually, let's say uh, Evil Within was directed by Shinji Mikami, the creator of the Resident Evil series and a former Resident Evil 4 director. Um, he had been a producer at Capcom, uh, but sought to be more involved in creative aspects of the game development with his new company, uh, Tango Gameworks, which was founded in 2010. During the first two years at Tango, he primarily focused on working with other studios on their games. So he was credited with helping games such as Vanquish, which was a game we previously played, as well as a game that I hope that we add to uh, the list of games we played and uh, Shadows of the Damned. Um, However, during this time, he found himself wanting to draw back to his Resident Evil roots as a creative director over a survival horror game. Um, the Evil Within was formally teased in April 2012 as codenames Vi, uh, which is the German way to say two, and officially announced a year later in um, April 2013. And then it was released October 20, uh, 2014 for PC, PS3, 4, 360, and Xbox One. The game centers on protagonist Sebastian Castellanos as he's pulled through a distorted world full of nightmarish locations and horrid creatures. It's play, you play it in a uh, third-person perspective, and you battle a lot of disfigured nightmare-like enemies using guns, melee weapons, and you progress through the levels of avoiding traps using stealth and fighting collectibles. Um, praise was mostly directed at the game's horror elements and the atmosphere, while criticism was directed at the game's story, its characters, and technical issues around the game. And a sequel, The Evil Within 2, was released uh, October 13th of last year, 2017. So, uh, yeah, that is my intro, and let's let's dig into this game. So, uh, who all played this game? <laughs> so, I had played uh, up to about Chapter 12 previously. Okay, so um, did you have any issues with it before? Uh, one of the things that kind of threw me off early on was I felt like, and, and I think 
playing it now, I kind of realized I felt like I, was, I think I was playing the game incorrectly a little bit. But like, I always felt like the game was screwing you over, whether it was, um, you know, the the traps or the fact that you always were getting just a little bit of ammo, um, not a whole lot. I always felt like I was starved for resources for the most part. Um, and that was part of the, one of the reasons why I ended up stopping playing the game because I got to chapter 12 and there's a sequence there that you have to get rid of a bunch of enemies. I just didn't have enough ammo. And I was just like, I'm not going to go back a whole chapter just to fix this. So I just kind of bounced off it. All right. Have, have you played it before, Dante? Nope. This is my first time. What about the genre as a whole? Do you have like a extensive history with the survival horror genre? I wouldn't really call it extensive. I guess my first foray into the genre would be Resident Evil 4 back in the GameCube days. And then let's I shifted over to Resident Evil 5, but that's more of an action thing. Went to Dead Space, played through that entire series. Um, no, I'm forgetting one. But I also went back and played Remake, the um, remake of the original Resident Evil, which... Um, I'd say this is a good mix between that game and Resident Evil 4 overall. Okay, okay. Um, I I should have asked you too, Greg. Do you have any uh, history with the survival horror genre? Yeah, so um, I played, I guess what was the, I guess Resident Evil. I played Resident Evil 1 and 2 back in the PlayStation days, but... uh, Again, I, I don't know, like, for the longest time, I couldn't really finish survival horror games. I just was always put on Edge Bomb. Um, but, like, maybe about, like, maybe 10 years ago or something, like, I actually got to the point where I felt pretty comfortable uh, finishing them. So, um, I guess I played Dead Space, uh, Dead Space 2, Resident Evil 4. Um, I think those are the main ones that come to mind. All right, and uh, what about you, Trevor? Have you played Evil Within before, and you have any background with the genre? No, this is my first time playing it. The only survival horror games I've played are um, Dead Space 2 and Outlast. Okay, so you, uh, any interest, I guess, hearing some of these other guys talk about Resident Evil 4, any interest in, like, checking those out? There's always been some interest, just because, like, um... I don't know. I guess because of the de- the developer um, and its its longevity. I don't know. There's there's always just been not some... the fact that Resident Evil Four was the game of the generation, way back in the GameCube era in Xbox and PS2. Well, I mean that kind of goes along with it. Who said that? Um, a lot of people. I mean, actually. yeah. I, I mean, I, I I get it, but I don't know. I, there was a lot of great games. <laughs> yeah, I understand the series is like well regarded and all that, but. Okay, well, if you ever want somebody to play Resident Evil 5 with, I, I got you. I got you. So it's primarily like a co-op game? 5 is, uh, yeah, okay. 5 is. Um, as far as Resident Evil goes, um, 5, 6, and... <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no I'm just saying the co-op ones. <laughs> oh, I, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to group them together for a different reason. I mean... There no, is a line no, there. no. If you, if you want to <laughs> nope, correlate, it's, nope. it's a very A, a to B to C situation. <laughs> nope. Um, as for myself, um, never, I've never been interested in playing survival horror games. 
Um, I have no history with this game, and uh, as far as I, I played Resident Evil Five, and I I actually thoroughly enjoy that game. It's uh, one of my favorite, like guilty pleasures, I guess, because I guess the reception around the game is it's like it wasn't a it wasn't a true Resident Evil game or whatever, and I like that about it because I got to dip my toe into that type of gameplay without uh, having to deal with the atmosphere that just makes me super uneasy. So I've played that game many, many a times. And uh, it actually, I want to say two years ago, I finally bit the bullet and played RE4. And I had rented it from the video store (laughs) or whatever back uh, when it came out on GameCube. And I maybe got I got to that first village and I was fighting the controls because that I never played a game like that before and I just couldn't deal with it so I actually like I think I rented it for like five days and I played it for 30 45 minutes and I just let my friend borrow it from me for the rest of the five days because I was like I'm not gonna play this game and um but yeah two years ago I finally played RE4 and yeah, I see. Uh, I see why it's held in high regard. I think it's it's a really good game, and I did enjoy it. But I didn't really have any interest in delving any deeper because I already knew it was like a um, a lighter fare in the survival horror genre. And I was like, this is already kind of like a lot for me, so I don't want to see any any much more than this. <clears throat> so having said that. Everybody here knows, but I didn't get far in this game at all. Um, I, I think there's 15 chapters in this game, and we set out to, for this first part, we set out to play the first eight chapters, and I made it the first two and some change. So I beat the first two chapters and got a little bit, maybe 15, 20 minutes into chapter three, and I was just like, this is, I can't do this. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm, and I don't intend to pick back up at all. Um, I've been watching walkthroughs to see what's going on in the action and everything. And, uh, even, even with the walkthrough, I made sure that I didn't want to see anybody play it for their first time. I wanted to make sure I was following somebody that knew they were doing, cause I didn't want to get scared or jump at any point like they were jumping because I knew that was not going to be no bueno for me and I and I also didn't really want to see anybody struggle because I didn't really want to like be stuck watching somebody play a mission for an hour and a half and it only takes like you know 30 minutes to beat or something like that either so I'm watching a no damage speed run and um yeah I think uh I just wanted to get that out of the way uh Everybody else, were you all you guys able to get to the respective halfway point? Yeah, I was able to. I made it. What was the halfway point again? <laughs> uh, complete chapter eight. <laughs> nah, bro. Where, where'd you get you got up to? to? Chapter uh, five, right? Yeah, finished chapter five. All right. Uh, I guess full disclosure. Do you intend to pick back up? I know you were having oh, yeah. trouble with the. I don't, okay, I don't mind okay. spoilers though. Okay. Well, I wasn't the spoilers. I just wasn't sure because I remember you saying you were being frustrated and saying like, "Oh, this gameplay is not for me" or something like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not good at it at all. 
Okay, so it's it's not necessarily like it's just like running up into stuff that is giving you issues, and you just like didn't have yeah. enough time. Yeah, like I don't think it's gonna be an issue like um like another Ninja Gaiden issue. I think it's more so of me just being a little bit more patient. Okay, I I like speaking of Ninja Gaiden, I was thinking, and I just wanted to bring a smile to Dante's face, and I would say I'd rather play Ninja Gaiden in this game. Wow! Like, oh, yeah, it's I would a bold rather, claim. <laughs> I would rather play Ninja Gaiden than this game, and like, I think this it, is a good game. But I, in terms I, of difficulty, or just the fact that it's a horror game, a horror game, and the fact that okay. he can't play this, I yeah yeah like I can get through, I can trudge through Ninja Gaiden. I I can I can't play this game, and and maybe like uh, me and Greg kind of talked. This about game it. is his saw like seven. If somebody like has a house and just sits Marcus in there and he's like, you need to finish this game or else you're going to die. Marcus is going to die. That's the situation. I mean, <laughs> tell Alyssa I love her. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're right. Cause I, I, I was t- telling Greg and I was like, I don't know what it is about this type of game, but every time I booted it up, like I started playing and it just was like, I'm like literally I'm sweating and I'm like super tense and it's like just a constant state of being of anxiety while I'm playing this game and I uh so I played the the first section of this game which is the um like I guess you want to call it like the intro slash tutorial so like what happens is is um like I said in the intro you play as Sebastian Castellanos uh, I probably butchered his last name, but uh, he's a detective, and so the game starts off, and you're riding in a car, uh, <clears throat> responding to a um, a crime scene at the Beacon Mental Hospital. So it's you, uh, your partners Joseph and Julie, as well as uh, another cop that's driving you guys, Oscar, and um, you're uh, apparently there was a situation at the Beacon Mental Hospital, and uh, they had sent it the the Crimson City, the city that you work for the, as the police officers, had sent a dispatch to the hospital, and they had disappeared. They couldn't be heard from, so you guys are sent to respond. And on your way there, there's a <clears throat> high high pitch ringing noise coming through the radio, which kind of like disorients you guys. But then when you arrive, you find like a whole slew of abandoned cruisers outside the hospital. And uh, you guys kind of like split up. So it's you and Joseph go inside while you leave Julie and Oscar outside. And once you get in the hospital, it's like a massacre and there's bodies all over. And you find a lone survivor. And I think his name is Dr. Jimenez. And uh, Joseph ends up tending to him as Sebastian kind of wants to investigate further. And he ends up checking security camera and seeing like this weird hooded man that's like just super like i don't even what it's like wesker right he can like teleport and just like he doesn't even lift a finger or whatever and these dudes are getting like impaled through their their heads with like blood or i, I don't even know how to describe I it i figured it out man <laughs> what's that that's why you're so scared of this game it's, it's wesker <laughs> no, I don't Virgil. know. That's why it's Marvel. <laughs> you can't Sp- escape. Speaking of Marvel, did y'all ever see um, um, X Men? Which one was it? It wasn't First Class. 
but the one that introduces uh, Quicksilver. The second one. Uh, and basically that scene um, where he's um, just like... Days of Future Past? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I saw that. And that scene where he's just kind of zooming through everybody. I yep. mean, <laughs> but the thing is, this dude is like, you don't see it slow motion. He's literally in front of somebody. Then he's in front of another person, then another person, then another person, you know? He's like, he's like it's like in Dragon Ball Z when they teleport behind you. It's like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you see him, like, basically take out this whole hallway of police officers on the security cam footage. And, like, when you turn away... The dude is in, he's actually behind you and knocks you unconscious. And uh, so, like, like even for me, even just walking into, like, a mental hospital and seeing all those bodies on the ground, I was already just like, what am I getting into? What, do you, what, what are we doing here, guys? Why are we doing this? Did you guys, like, have any... How did you guys feel this opening sequence? I, I guess it's... <laughs> So the first time I played through it, I was uh, I was pretty nervous. Like it's it's creepy. Um, I mean that's for sure. Uh, now since I kind of I mean because I remember the first time I played it, I died there at least like ten times just trying to figure out how to not get spotted. But uh, no, but yeah. no, we're not even there yet. Oh, we're not even that. Oh, we're not even that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is just watching cutscenes. <laughs> oh, you're talking about... Oh, shit. Bro, he got scared by the letterbox. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's too yeah, dark no, on I the mean, top I, and bottom of the screen. Like, I thought the I thought the opening cutscene was pretty cool and just kind of how they lead you into that uh, hospital, I guess. Um, but yeah, I wasn't like... It, it was... It's after that point where I was like, you know, kind of... Oh, yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Trevor? It Are was you intriguing in at this point? <laughs> you in? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I was I was completely in because it gave me like kind of a a more supernatural Bioshock feel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But um, but yeah, at this point, I was in. Okay. Uh, what about you, uh, Dante? Yeah, I I did not think this was scary at this point. I just thought it was very. I've never actually played a sweary game, but. This seemed very sweary inspired. The guy that did Deadly Premonitions and D4, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the vibes I got off of these initial chapters. And to be honest, pretty much the entire game so far. Okay. I, I guess I should have asked you guys. Are you guys fans of like horror movies? Mm, Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not like a big fan of them. I mean, I'll watch them, but it's not anything I seek out. I like the ones that have like a continuity. Like, I've watched all the Insidious movies. Um, uh, what are the ones that are connected to, like, Annabelle and the new one, The Nun, that came out? Uh, I forgot the main. The Conjuring. No, The Conjuring. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. watch scary movies. It's like, a, it's like a connected world. But, yeah, I watched some of those, but it's mainly for, like, the, like I said, for the continuity of the story. Um, but I don't watch any of like just the gory stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Okay, okay, yeah, I've seen the original Halloween, and I think I saw the first Paranormal Activity, which that was a mistake, and that's about it. Like, um, all right, <clears throat> um, yeah. So, uh, you get knocked out, and when you come to, 
you are upside down and like there's this huge like grotesque dude hanging you on meat hooks around other bodies and there's just all you see is like a cage and blood and it's super gross and at that point i was out i was out and that's when the palms started sweating that's when the anxiety <laughs> started kicking up Hair and then standing so... up on the back of your neck <laughs> the time the time to complain on ninja gaiden was at least i'd say about 10 or 15 minutes before marcus went to facebook or twitter or whatever to complain about that game this game didn't even get to gameplay and this dude's already on Facebook being like, I can't do this. It's, I literally, you're, he's not lying either. I was like, all right, bet, I'm about to boot up this game. And then I got to that scene and I said, it is dark outside. It is too late to be playing this game. And it was literally five minutes. That's it. And I, I didn't play. And like, I think part of the reason why, um, so I was, I got this game on PC and I'm not a PC gamer. So I was trying to do the keyboard and mouse route, and it was pretty uncomfortable. And um, I was not uncomfortable like I, like it hurt or anything, but I'm just unfamiliar playing that way. So it just kind of felt foreign. And I did eventually switch over to big picture mode and play with the PS3 controller, or excuse me, PS4 controller. But it really didn't, like, it just made me feel more confident that, like, when I wanted to do something, it would happen but it didn't make me more confident in the atmosphere. So, like... I think you don't really get to that point of feeling, or at least for me, you don't really get to that point of feeling comfortable until you get all those weapons and you start feeling like you have a good stockpile of ammo and, like, resources. Bro, I felt confident the second I got that knife. Well, (laughs) uh... We'll get to that later, though. Yeah, so you end up... the, the, The guys hanging you guys and you up and some other person. And at this point, this is where you're in full control. And this is like the tutorial sequence. So it's teaching you basically a little bit about how to play the game. So he turns his back on you, goes in this gross room with meat chunks and chainsaws and stuff. And he's doing his thing with his back to you. And, um, at this point you can kind of like swing yourself loose to get, a keys from another body to like get un like hooked to this chain and then it teaches you okay this is how you crouch and this and this and this and like you're just sneaking around in this dude's lair and you finally can kind of like get out and of course you alert him at some point i think you walk over a tripwire and he wounds you with his chainsaw he wounds your leg So at this point, it's like you're hobbling to get away from him. And like, you... It's just gross, man. You're like in a hospital, I think. It's so good. Like, you go like... It's like the most unsafe, unsanitary place. (laughs) Like, it's just blood all over the floor. There's chains coming off the walls. Or not chains, like... I just envision this dude having hand sanitizer next to him this entire time. Saw blades. We're really talking about OSHA regulations right now. And then, like, you slide down this, like, bloody, like, path into a pool of blood. Dude takes you to a forty-rated restaurant, and he's like, oh, it's sanitary. What's what's the Yelp review on this place? (laughs) I bet this place got a 40. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, it's just... 
it's gross, dude. Like, it's so gross. And then, like, straight up, I stopped playing twice at this part. I turned, I literally, like, turned my computer off twice playing this part. The third time was the charm. The third time helped me get through it. And, um, then at this point, it's like a cat and mouse. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to stay away from him. And so, like, you can hop in lockers or, like, hop behind the shadows. And it teaches you, like, oh, you can use noise. So you can pick up bottles and throw them to, like, sneak. Like, to get him to get distracted or whatever. And, um, did you guys like the cat and mouse aspects? Like, being, like, chased by something that you don't have. Like, you don't have any weapons. You can't fight him hand to hand. Like, he has a chainsaw and you have nothing. So... If you get caught, he just kills you. So, did you guys like this aspect? This um, this chapter, this entire chapter, is the entire gameplay of Outlast. Which I don't I don't think that's a huge spoiler, but like this is the type of gameplay that Outlast is. It's basically sneaking around, um, like through this very claustrophobic area, and sneaking around what are essentially like mini bosses. Like, if you get into combat with them, two hits and you're done. Um, But, yeah, that was... Like, I'm glad you mentioned that this is the part that turned you away because now I'm glad that, you know, we didn't play Outlast. I'm glad we didn't play Outlast, too. (laughs) Uh, What about you guys? How do you guys feel about the cat and mouse stuff? Mm, I mean, I was... I think it's a cool way to start out the game just because it sets up uh, like it sets up the whole survival horror aspect of it. Like you, you feel, you know, it, it's playing off the thing of like, all right, well, there's this thing that you want to avoid. And, and like, you know that if you catch you, that's it. So it's like, you kind of playing on edge a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool way to start the game. Yeah, and kind of going off of what Trevor said, this is very similar to Alien Isolation as well, where pretty much the entire game you're just trying to hide from the alien, and you're just using the resources available to you to accomplish that goal, more or less. So I didn't really have a problem with it, because I've done it before, and I think it's a really interesting way to... um, Or it's a really interesting dynamic for video games in general, just because most video games are power fantasies, where you're in control of everything... Whereas this one, you're the weak person, and you have to figure out your way to pretty much outsmart your opponent. Like, I like the, um, it's weird, because in movies, it's like, you feel so helpless when you're watching somebody else do it, you know? Like, sneak around, like if you've watched Alien. Like, I like the suspense aspect of it, but when I was playing it... It was a struggle. It was just like, oh boy, like, what do I do? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I just, I felt like I was going so slow because I was like, I didn't want to get caught. didn't want to get caught. But I did like the, I ended up watching Trevor, Trevor stream this part. And like, watching Trevor play it versus the way I played it, I did like that the game gave you not multiple routes, but multiple ways to deal with the the butcher i think or i think the character actually is called the sadist so they, they give you multiple ways of dealing with the sadist so i know for me i ended up using the the bottles and throwing them to distract them 
but I saw Trevor and he ended up like kind of running, not running, but like speed walking, Dodge, like dodging in and out of like <laughs> yeah, yeah, rooms like and stuff. for me, I was like. I was crouched the entire time. I was like, I'm not making a sound except for this bottle that I'm throwing. But watching Trevor was like, oh, I didn't even think about doing it that way because. So did Trevor keep the dude alerted the entire time, or? I have no idea. Like the dude, like for me, the guy was walking back and forth in the room, but for Trevor, he was patrolling on the outside. If that makes any sense. Yeah, he kept walking back and forth between like that first door that you walked. He past. was in the hallways. Yeah. <laughs> for trevor where for me he was just in that room so i had to sneak behind like the curtain and the gurneys to pick up a bottle and that's pretty much how it played outlast just like waiting for the guy to turn around trying to figure out what his route is and and you know i was thinking the whole game was going to be like this because dante correct me if i'm wrong but this seems like stealth to me this is very much stealth and i was actually going to ask greg do you get the same sensation at this point that you do when you're like sneaking around in Metal Gear? I think he stepped away. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Oh, yeah, I think he stepped away with his kids. Uh, okay. Well, I'll ask him when he gets back. But pretty much how I handled that room was I did a little bit of both of what you're saying. So I went to the outside of the one room, like the main hospital room, and then you have the room to the right. And I got in that little locker there. And eventually, he got, like, right next to me and started walking down the little narrow hallway right there. I sneak into the next room. He decides to check it out, so then I have to use a bottle. I throw it into the first room, and then that's how I'm able to um, get away with that area. Okay. And, um... Okay, Greg's back. Oh. Go ahead and ask him, then. Oh, what was yeah. the question? Yeah, I had a s- small question for you. So... Mm-hmm. In that first sequence where you're getting away from the sadist or the butcher, whatever you want to call him, did you have the same sensation of sneaking around that you do in Metal Gear? Um, you mean as far as like trying to like stay completely hidden? Just trying to hidden? avoid him and you know using your resources like the bottles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. I mean, it was like a lot less elegant compared to like how I would play Metal Gear, I guess, because I I pretty much just waited for him to run by or pass by me. Then I ran. And then when I saw he started running in my direction, I just threw the bottle. And then that was it. Like it was, it was, uh, it was way less thought out than like, I guess that I'd be playing like a metal gear game, but. Okay. Cause obviously if you're playing metal gear, you would just use like Batsu. Duh. <laughs> 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 well, and I, I, I would just want to say like, Dante is 100% right and what he said where I like playing games and having that power trip, I guess you can say. So when I play stealth games, or I guess the stealth games that I play, it's mostly me hiding from the enemies to, like, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm at a disadvantage. Like, I'm always in control when I'm hiding. And this is one of the very few times in a game and not, not not to say that this doesn't happen a lot. I just don't play these type of games where I'm not in control. I'm hiding for survival, I guess you could say. And so that made me uneasy because it was like, if he catches me, I can't like swing or shoot my way out of this. I'm dead, you know? 
So it just made me like <clears throat> way more tense than I'm familiar or used to being. And that was like a, a weird change of pace for a video game for me. So I see it in movies all the time, but actually playing in a video game is a completely different experience for me. Um, but eventually you uh, sneak past or away from him and you uh, <clears throat> get out of the hospital barely. And um, you see uh, Julie, Oscar, the doctor, and a mental patient, Leslie, uh, outside. And you notice that Joseph is missing. And uh, you want to go get him, but the city around you is starting to deteriorate. Almost like just collapsing, like an earthquake was happening. So you all barely escape in an ambulance. And um, you, you're driving for a while, and like you're looking in the rearview mirror, and like the city's like being destroyed behind you. And then you see the hooded man appear in the back of the ambulance. And another ringing noise goes off. And it, like transforms or like does this weird thing to Oscar the driver where he just has like blood coming out of his eyes and his nose and his ears and he ends up like veering off the ambulance off the road over a cliff and it, it crashes into the woods and that's how chapter one ends and like at this point I'm like what's what's going on like what who is this guy you know and like what what's the deal with this 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 sound because it seems like every time the sound goes off, like, freaky stuff happens. So, do you guys, at this point, do you guys have a read on this situation? Or you guys are just like, I, I need to play more, I need to play more. Yeah, no, nah, I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I mean, I'm definitely not here for the story, but, like, yeah, I was still kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> I was kind of like, alright, well, we'll see what happens. Like, maybe I'll be able to, like, figure this out eventually. Okay, okay. I appreciate the uh, the honesty. <laughs> this part kind of took me out of it because, I don't know, I was expecting the entire game to take place in, like, that one building. A mental hospital? Yeah, because I was thinking, like, man, there's some, some unsolved mysteries going on here. And then, all of a sudden, you're outside, you're free. And to me, like, you know, the survival horror games, or I guess the two that I've played, you're kind of in a, a singular place, and you have to make your way through it in order to get out. There, There's no option to, to leave and, and come back. I don't know, like, I think there's a different uh, gameplay uh, uh elements that happen when you're outside versus inside because i mean if you're outside you think like oh like it's wide open spaces and all this stuff but as we're gonna see it's almost as claustrophobic as if you were in a hospital you know the one thing i will say is like he's right you go outside and you're going to these different things but it never feels like your character is the one going there it's more like the spirit or whatever it is is essentially you. compelling you to go to these different places. It's weird. Okay. So chapter two starts off, and you're, like, super groggy, and you're, like, being led down a hallway, strapped down to a gurney. And once you get to the operating room, these creatures hop on top of you, and you jolt awake. And 
you're alone in an asylum cell with a, like a super bad headache. And like once you get your bearings, you meet this strange nurse named Tatiana, who basically tells you that you're in this safe haven. You're safe in this haven, but you have to stabilize yourself or you won't last long in the world. And then she takes you to this super small room that has just like a really weird chair. And you, she wants you to sit in it. And as soon as you sit in, you get strapped in and this thing springs off the top and sits on your head. And it may, looks like like a freaky torture sex tape chamber chair. I like, like an electric chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, It just makes you feel so gross when you see it happen. It's just like, oh, this looks like it's just painful. Like you're going to get yeah. tetanus from it. Tetanus or something. <laughs> Completely unsanitary. Something bumpy. And uh, she takes him, uh, you know, he, he kind of tries to break free, but he can't. And she, like, injects you with this dose of green gel. And then you get blinded by the white, this white light. And uh, after you get your vision back, you're back in the ambulance and it's upside down. And you're in the woods and the ambulance is burning, so you have to escape it. And there's nobody else around. You don't see any of your homies. And, um... At this point, you're like, okay, well, there's this lakeside village up ahead. I should start heading towards that. And along the way, you, like, I think this is when you get, like, some weapon. I think you get your, you find a pistol or something like that. And you run into the first member of your party. But unfortunately, it's Oscar, the, the driver. And, like, he's, like, in this zombie state. So you have to take him out. I think uh, using your pistol so you can kind of get used to using the, the, the guns in this game. And uh, you you trudge further along. You run into Leslie, who's like super confused. He's the the mental patient, and you offer to help him, but he kind of just runs off towards the village. And so like you're like following behind him. And at this point, you run into more of these creatures who they're actually people. They're you run into people, but they look at this like the white light from a lighthouse that's in the distance. And it transforms them into like the zombie creatures, and at this oh, so point, that's what it was. Yeah, and it's really weird. So, like, I, I mean, hey, <laughs> the the story in this game no. is not supposedly super strong, but I'm I'm still interested to know like what turns these creatures, and I'm not sure, turns them into creatures, and I'm not sure yet. Um, but at this point, then it, it teaches you some of the stealth elements. So, like. You can crouch down and uh, stab. Uh, if you're undetected, you can stab these guys in their head to take them out. Um, there's also this this place that they're at is, is booby trapped. So there's trip wires that you can disarm for uh, supplies, as well as bear traps, which you can also disarm. Or you can use those, uh, I guess you could say, in your combat, quote-unquote combat, to, like, you, you get a zombie... You get detected by a zombie, you can lead them into that to, to trap them or whatever, too. So, there's some cool gameplay uh, stuff involved with the traps. Um, and uh, then you're, you're just in, like, this super long... Not super long, but this sequence where there's a lot of houses in this village. And you get you can go in and get supplies, but there's also zombies and traps and like what what did you guys think about like just like the stealth gameplay in this game and and this overall in this chapter did you guys enjoy it and i'm gonna start with you trevor because 
I know this is not your your bread and butter when it comes to the stealth stuff. This part, I I enjoyed the stealth um, simply because it was a little bit more linear than some of the other sections where you have the option to use stealth. Um, like this one, you of course have an option to use stealth, but it seems more like if you choose to go in guns blazing, you still have a chance to survive. And so I, I like this a little bit more. And also because it was linear, you kind of see a direct path or not necessarily a direct path, but a path that you could take in order to be stealthy. Like you can see um, where an enemy standing and, you know, there's a, a window or a doorway to get around the building that you can, you know, sneak up behind them and kill them with um, or kill them from. And, and so that that's the part I kind of enjoy because I'm able to see like a or I'm able to visualize a strategy to use in order to get around. Uh, did anybody or do we had anybody mention um, anything about some of the mechanics in this game, like uh, being able to burn bodies or anything like that? Because this is kind of where you you first learn that, I think. Right. Yeah, I think this is where you get your first match or um, it's not too far before it, at least. Okay. Have we talked about like the whole sneaking up on enemies and doing the stealth? No, not okay. Um, well, I guess we can kind of go through that. Um, so there, there is kind of stealth and like sneaking elements in this game. I don't think that the AI is like super like intelligent in that. Like, there's times where I feel like I'm within sight distance of them and they just don't do anything. Um, so I, I, I've never really figured out. You know, other than me just walking straight up to them in a direct line of sight, you know, um, you know, once you get maybe like 10 or 15 feet away from them, they might recognize you. But there's times where I've been like right outside of that and then they don't do anything. But um, it was kind of cool being able to sneak around the environment, trying to figure out ways to, you know, um, not get spotted. Also, there's a uh, there's like traps in this area that you have to avoid. So why, when you see the trap, you have two, you have, I guess these traps, you can just disarm. Um, so you have to be a little bit careful while you're running around the environment, um, to be aware of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool little stealth sequence. And I mean, there's not a ton of that in this game, but it's nice that they kind of, uh, you know, give you an opportunity to kind of get familiar with a few of the systems at this point. So, I was pretty concerned about this game going in. The first, I'd say, 30, 45 minutes didn't really inspire a lot of confidence from me as far as, like, the game mechanics and stuff. Oh, why is that? Just, um, when you're hiding from the dude, it felt good then, but, like, all the stuff before then, like, getting the key, and I'm like, this is kind of slow-paced. I don't know if I'm really going to be into it. And from what I've heard, this is, like a lesser version of Resident Evil 4, and that was kind of the impression I had going in. Mm -hmm. But then when I got to this village sequence, and, you know, I, I talked about the whole power fantasy and games thing, and how this game is kind of the reversal of that. But the thing about games like this and Metal Gear Solid is you spend so much time in the shadows, but then when it's time to actually act... It's like the ultimate rush that, like, very few games get me this excited when I play. 
and just going behind the enemies. I feel like I'm in like Heart of Darkness or whatever. I'm just sneaking up in them, like getting behind my bush or whatever. Every time before I stab them, I say night, night. <laughs> so I'm just having the time of my life freaking sneaking up behind these zombies, stabbing them in the back. Sometimes I'll see like a tripwire and then I'll make myself noticed. So they'll like run towards me. They'll run into the tripwire because they're zombies and they're dumb. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have complete control over the situation at all times in this game, or at least at this point. So that's when I became all in in this game. I was about to say, I think for the most part in this game, it it feels like that at all times. And it's something that I definitely didn't appreciate on my first playthrough. But like now coming back to the game, like it's just such a systems heavy game. And there's just so much that they give you to kind of like play around with. Yeah, it's kind of it takes a while to realize that you're actually the person in control and you you have to go out of your way to be that dude in control. But once you acknowledge that, yeah. oh my god. Dante, you're oh, yes, you're absolutely right. And I really I thought that this part would change my opinion of this game cuz I also like after I figured out the stealth stuff, I had a blast like doing it but then i think there was like four huts or something and i didn't want to deal with potentially being scared or whatever so i only dealt with i didn't go to one so i didn't explore it or anything but when they gave you the matches and i was like oh you can just kill enemies and you don't have to deal with them i was like super like yeah this is going to be tight and then I get to the very end of the sequence, and you have to open up this um, this gate. And there's two bodies on the ground, and I had no more matches. And I was like, oh, well, they're already dead. And then I start dealing with the gate. And next thing I know, those dudes come back to life, and then they kill me. And I lose 30, like, it took me, it, it took me 30 minutes of progress because I was crouched the entire time. And I lost wow. 30 minutes of gameplay, and I had to do that entire stealth sequence again. And you were right. Like, I definitely felt, like, super powerful and in control at that part. But then when I realized, like, I'm limited by, like... Because I was burning everything. I was burning everybody because I wasn't sure if they would come back otherwise. Oh, so, yeah. So I was just like, okay, well, let me burn this, burn this, burn this. Don't have any more matches. Oh, well, well, I'm at the end. And when that happened, I was like, I'm, I'm out again. I'm out. And so, like, it, it, it had that nice, ba- like, it was a nice balance of, like, I don't really have, like, I have a pistol, but I don't want to use this thing. I want to be stealthy because I want to take these guys out to save my resources. But then I was using this other resource in order to ensure that these guys don't come back to life. And I, I just, like, I was getting there, and I, like, instead of my head going through that glass ceiling and, like, realizing how much I like this game, it, like, it didn't go through, and I got, I, I bumped my head, and I, and I fell back down, I was just like, damn, like, I was almost there, I was almost into this, and, uh, I, I don't know, like. So, let me ask you this, since I'm a perfectionist when I play these type of games, and, like, I pretty much got to the same situation where you did, where I got through most of the village, and then I died. Yeah. When you had to run it back, because you did get to the end of this chapter, correct? Mm-hmm. Were you able to do it a lot faster? Were you, like, still being very stealthy and crouching everywhere? Yeah, I was still being... I, I did it faster, and it was more like... So the first time, like, if you were to look at, like, 
the if you were to look at the map in the path that I took, it seemed like there was a lot of uncertainty. But then the second time, it was just like point A to B to C to D, and like I was just zipping through it. So I did have that moment, and uh, I, I I enjoyed it, but I because. I'm going to throw out this word again in this term, and Trevor's probably going to get upset, but this is where the puzzle element comes in, where yeah, once yeah. you kind of know the loose solution to the puzzle, you can kind of blaze through it. Yes, and that that is 100%. Like, okay, I need to go here to dis... Like, there's a certain order of operations you have, where it's like, I need to go here to disarm this trap, and once I disarm this trap, then I can get to this bad guy, take him out, and then taking him out on, un- un- like means that I have now this other area that I can go to because he's no longer there to patrol it. And then I can take these two guys out now because he's not there. And, like, yeah, there's definitely, like, a puzzle aspect to it. But I don't know, like, part of my issue with this... And I know it's not stealth this entire game, but part of my issue with that in a survival horror game is I don't want to see the entire puzzle. I just want to get from point A to B as quick as possible. So I'm Is it going, just because you don't... I oh, don't want to potentially be scared by anything. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to I don't want anything ask. to jump out at me. So, like, I'm already putting myself at a disadvantage because of, like, being uneasy about the atmosphere that I'm, like... I didn't go up to the, the hut at the top of the hill, so there might have been supplies or, like, a gun in there that may have been useful, but I'm not going to know about it because... And, like, I can get through the game without it, but it would have been so much easier if I had. And, like, even, like, um, uh, the next chapter, I didn't go into a room because I was, like, I didn't want to go into the room, and I ended up, like, quitting out because I got scared. And then the second time I played that part, I went into the room and it was a save point. And I was like, oh, well, cool. Like, I wouldn't have had to replay the first 25 minutes of this chapter, chapter three, if I had gone into that room the first time. But it's just like, I just don't want, I don't want to explore. It's like the very opposite of when I play open world games, you know, and I'm like, I try to do everything. Like, I don't want to do anything in these type of games. And it makes it an unenjoyable, like, even gaming experience for me. Yeah, that's very contrarian to the genre. Yeah, just because it behooves you to explore every possible nook and cranny. I know, in these games, yeah. but since like, resources are so limited. But like for me, it's like okay, like I go into this room, and what if there's something in there, and like I panic, or like what if I go into this room because I'm I thought of Dead Space because uh, I was me and Greg were talking about this. I, I played Dead Space like the first fifteen minutes, and I was out because I can remember going into a room, and then turning around and there's something right behind me and like every time i go into a room in this game i think it's gonna be like that and like i'm just expecting there to be jump scares and like i'm just building up and like expecting something to happen expecting something to happen and even when it doesn't happen and like there's that tension is still building and i'm like now this is when it's gonna happen now this is when it's gonna happen and even if it never does it doesn't like there's no release for me so I'm I like, think that's still... what makes it even like worse. Yeah, case. and that's because this like... game has very few actual jump scares. So. I know, dude, and it's just like I don't want to go in there because this thing could happen, and it, it probably won't. But just the the idea, I have the idea built in my head that it will. So like, even during the self sequence, like I was like still tense, still sweating. Like I literally like was 
had a cold sweat the entire time I was playing this game. Like, and it's just like thinking something's going to happen. Even if, even though like everything I think in my head is way more horrible than what actually happened in the game. It's like, I just build up this, like, it's almost impenetrable. Like this is going to happen and there's nothing that I can convince myself otherwise that it's not. And that's why like, I can't, that's one of my hangups with playing this type of, these types of games is like yeah, this. <laughs> this does it in a way that RE five or RE four like those games do have a lot of jump scares when you like knife one of those boxes or whatever, and there's a snake in there. Yeah, that scares you. This game does a really good job of setting you up and keeping you on your edge the entire time through. So you're not actually scared of the game per se. You're scared of the idea that the game is presenting you. Yes, yes. Because, like, okay, like, even something in Resident Evil where it's, like, Resident Evil, you don't see bodies laying around, you know? They disappear. But in this game, when you kill something, it becomes a body. Or, like, when you walk into, like, when you see bodies, they're just laying there, and you're like, uh, what's going on? And, like, the very first time I saw bodies, like, I guess you could say reanimate or come to, it shook me. And, like, from that point on, I was burning every single body I ran into because I was like, I don't want that to happen again. And so I'm, like, quickly depleting this limited resource that I have to prevent that from happening. And, like like I said, watching this dude's speed run, like I've been watching, like, there's so few times that he actually uses matches where it's, like, he only uses matches on the bodies that do reanimate. And obviously, he's played the game so much that he knows which ones to do it on. But it's just it's like, damn, I'm just going through that resource like it's like it's candy, you know? I think that is cool. And this goes back to, like, kind of, I guess, the way that they, they the way they develop the game or whatever. That they, they give you matches, and they don't necessarily tell you what's the purpose of using them other than you can burn bodies. So you don't necessarily know... If that's what you need to be doing, or is there is if there's really a point to you doing it, right? Like, I kind of appreciate how open to interpretation, I guess, that they you that they leave that to the the user. Even more so that Mikami was building off of a expectation of his fans. Yeah, because you have matches in. Well, I guess they're not technically matches in Resident Evil. The original. Was it matches? Because I know you had a like gas tank with you. Did you use matches with the gas tank? I can't remember for sure. You had a lighter, and then you had gas. That's what it was. And the gas was a limited resource. And essentially, in the original Resident Evil, bodies would reanimate after some certain time. Because you're in this one mansion. You kill the body, it stays there. If you don't kill it after a certain like story event, they eventually do reanimate. So a lot of people that played that game before this game anticipate the same thing happening where um, since this game is chapter based and you don't really revisit bodies that you've previously seen that's not really the case so I really appreciate him playing with like player expectation in that regard I think yeah and like I want to I don't think I said this but I think this is a good game it is very effective at what it does and I, I think this is a good game it's just not a game for me. I, I don't want. I want to make that very clear. Like, I <laughs> the, the 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 gameplay that I played, like the stealth stuff, was fun, but there was just like a disconnect in like the atmosphere and like all that other stuff is the thing that turned me off, and not necessarily the gameplay. I thought the gameplay was fine. Um, 
See, I'm kind of the opposite way. Like, everything except for the gameplay makes me really like the idea of playing this game. But the gameplay is kind of what's not necessarily scary, but what gives me that feeling of uncertainty. Like, the idea that you have limited supplies, the idea that, you know, any of these bodies that are just laying on the floor can can reanimate... And, and that's the part that kind of turns me away from the game. And I guess that's the purpose of the, the genre. That, you know, that's why they built the game the way they did. But, I don't know, I'm, I'm more here for, like, the supernatural aspect and trying to figure out why some of these things are going on because the story itself is giving you, like, little pieces at a time. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm, like, I'm here for the gameplay, like... I, I could care less about the story. Like I kind of get what you're saying, Trevor. Like I, I didn't get far enough, but minus this thing about matches for like the resources to really affect me. But I think I don't, I don't want to say it in a dismissive way, but I feel like it's kind of like a trope of the genre where there's like a certain sense of dread, like automatically given when you have a re- amount, a limited amount of resources where you don't want to be like in a situation where it's like oh man I'm I'm low on ammo like I have two bullets and there's four enemies here or whatever like that so like part of the appeal I think of that in this game or in these types of games is like it there's other ways of getting around like uh, like I think me and you are used to playing games where you're mowing down everybody but in these types of games it's not necessarily about taking everybody out it's about surviving so like you don't have to use your bullets to take out a room you can just kind of like run along run around in circles and let them stumble behind you you know chasing you you don't necessarily have to kill them but I think the games that we are more comfortable playing, that's what we that's what you do in those games. So like you bring that mindset into this type of game where it's mostly like, no, you could you can go through this game like there there there's a chapter in this game where there's an achievement for not kill using any of your resources in the entire like the, the the chapter eight. It's a super short chapter and there's an achievement to not use any of your resources. And like the guy that I was been watching, like he hardly ever uses any ammo like it's a lot of like matches or just running around in circles until the next part of the uh stage uh is open up to him or whatever so it kind of opened my eyes watching him play to like oh like i'm approaching this game in a incorrect way but it's not necessarily my fault i think it's just uh i wasn't thinking outside of the box but also i'm not familiar enough with the genre to like have the skill set to do that either. Yes. Well, I'd also say the speedrunner probably plays in a way that's not typical well, of your, you know, layman. He's not speedrunning per se. He's just like showing a, like he's not going for time. It's mostly just showing here's how you play this game without taking any damage. There's an achievement for that. So I guess, I don't know. Well, I'm just saying it's unconventional for yeah, most definitely. people to go through the game. But but I think that there is like watching him play it, there is some tools or like some things that I think would have been beneficial or something like if you play this game a bunch of times, something that you would come upon too. Like, oh, like if I do it this way, then I don't have to deal with this enemy in the same way that I did the first time. It won't be a struggle 
And kind of like what you said, alluding to the puzzle thing, even if you die against enemies or whatever, like, that's data. And, like, you can come back. It's almost like fighting games, too, where it's like, okay, I now know what they want to do in this situation. Or I know, like, oh, I use four bullets this time. Let me see if I can take them out in two or something like that. Yeah, and this is um, going back to the beginning of what you said. This is absolutely why Dark Souls, Demon Souls, all of those games are slightly considered horror games in a lot of regards because you have this precious resource, your souls, this thing you want to hold on to that could potentially be lost at any moment. And the further you go without saving or stockpiling what you have, the scarier things get naturally just because it's like, I fear losing all of these resources and I want to be careful because the more I travel into the unknown, the riskier it gets for me. And that's what these type of games do. So you have all these resources, but you're kind of scared of using them before you get to the next save or using them before you get to a next like section of the game just because you might need those resources. So you have this constant inner you know, battle with yourself should I use this stuff? Should I hold on to it? What's the responsible thing to do? How much risk should I take versus the reward that I could get immediately right now? And that's another part of this game that I suck at is because playing it, I'll either end up using my resources too fast or by the end of the game, I'll have a bunch of resources that you know I never used. And, and I think there is a little bit of an issue, and I'll admit that. I, so... I feel like the game really wants you to experiment with how you dispose of enemies and kind of how you play the game, but it's almost, well, I guess the checkpointing isn't too bad in this game, but there's definitely a thing of like, well, if you're already put off by being in this uncomfortable environment, the last thing you want to do is keep repeating yourself over and over. So it's like, it's at odds with like, okay, well, the game wants me to experiment, but obviously I don't want to mess up because I don't want to play this again because I'm yep. already feeling, <laughs> you know. So it's, I get where that can be a little frustrating because I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It's like you don't really know what you're supposed to be using or if this is the best way to take out enemies, but you don't want to try because you don't want to end up having to play it over again. So Speaking of which, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, Greg, um, you know, experimenting with different um Equip pieces of equipment and gear. Um, have y'all tried to switch weapons like during combat? Yeah, it doesn't pause. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like a it's a slowdown mode if you click in the right thumbstick. Isn't that how it is in Dead Space? mm, Dead Space, yeah, it's the same way. I mean, there's no, yeah, he's saying like you have the menu thing where you click in the right thumbstick and it doesn't pause but it slows down time yeah but then from there you can also assign stuff to the the d-pad oh really yeah 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 yep i don't even remember it telling you that they don't Uh, actually i think they do say something about the the right thumbstick yeah it's in when you go into that menu you can see how like it assigns things or whatever one of the things that i don't know if the game told you this but like for the longest time i was playing with like one hit of damage like from the jump i didn't realize that the syringe um healed you up like and gave you extra life 
Well, not the. I think it's the med kit that gives you extra life. I thought um, maybe I thought it was a syringe. All I know is like I. Yeah, I, the syringe heals you. Yeah, I, I thought the one med gives kit you, will give you extra. Okay, well, I didn't realize that I wasn't at full life. So I was like, man, like this game is rough because I get hit once and I die or, you know, get hit by one trap and I die. And I ended up like running into a syringe and you see the little indicator that says full. So like, I'm like, all right, I'll use one and then I'll pick this one up. And then I saw the amount of life I had and I was like, bruh, are you serious? (laughs) Like I was kind of, I was a little annoyed because I was just like, dang, like. I'm here. I am trying to hoard on these, hoard up on these uh, syringes, and I I could have been used one of these. It would, you know, I wouldn't have died as much. Another part of the game that kind of made the gear and equipment confusing for me was chapter three. You find a lot of new weapons, and at certain points, you find or you can find the ammo before you even find the weapon. Can you pick it up? Yeah. Like huh. um. We haven't we haven't started talking about chapter three yet, but that's where you find the um, I think it's a crossbow, and you yep. can use the harpoon ammo, um, the explosive um, harpoons or whatever they're called. Yeah, and I was finding the ammo for this weapon before even picking up the weapon, and I think the same with shotgun too. I mean, I'm not. It may have been the way you explored maybe like the route you took because it is pretty open to like allowing you to do that how you want to that section because uh well i'll just get to it real quick um so um after in chapter two uh going back a little bit after you kill all those enemies and you open up the gate uh you can sneak down or you you travel down to the to the lighthouse and um or t- I'm sorry, to a bridge. You see a bridge, and as you're going towards the bridge, you alert a, lo- a large mob, and they chase you on the bridge, and basically have you cornered, uh, and you end up jumping off the bridge into the water, which, that's the end of chapter two, which opens up to chapter three, where you come out of the river, uh, come out of the water further up the river to another section of the village, um, and then you're in this section of the village, there's more booby trapped houses but there's no there's no bad guys and that was another thing for me so you go into this first house and there's booby traps and they they introduce a new trap which is a um it's like a bomb right yeah and like the way to deactivate it it's like a mini game where there's like a imagine like a clock and there's a section of the clock where you have to stop the arms in and the arms are moving really fast and um the first time I did that I got bodied and like I, I think there was a slight delay and I, I, I want to know if because I'm playing this on PC and I I thought I, I saw there was technical issues um was it criticism for this game so I wonder if this game was like brought to PC later or so, or if the technical issues were on the PC because my timing maybe I'm like tooting my own horn because I play fighting games but like I hit it in the spot that it was in but there was like a slight like input delay or something so like the the thing ended up traveling a little like outside of the area and it blew up and I was like are you serious so like I was I was a little heated at that point and then when I saw like um 
what I had to do after that. And I was at super low health at that point. I was just kind of like, uh, I turned it off and I was just like, I'm going to not play this game anymore. And I ended up like playing it one more time. Uh, but this was pretty close to like when I stopped playing. Um, but I don't know. I, that that may have just been like a one-off thing uh, for me. But that was very frustrating. And then another thing too, just going in this house, it was super booby-trapped and it was super spooky in the house. And there was a room in the in the house that I just didn't go into because it had a door closed and I didn't want to go into the room. And it ended up being the save point for the chapter. And I didn't know that. So I had ended up like looking at a walkthrough before I started playing it again. And I saw that was a save point. And I was like, damn, like I would have just skipped a whole ass like save point if I hadn't looked at that walkthrough because there was, I'm, I'm not going to open that door. I guess quickly, can we talk about the save points? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you get close to a save point, you start hearing this audio. It's the same um, pretty much no matter where you go. And then it's also a room with like a red circle or X on it. So you kind of always denote that. But when once you go inside the room, there's always a mirror. The mirror cracks. You hold A, and then you get teleported to the hospital you were in at the very beginning of the game. And most of the time, you're greeted by a nurse, and she allows you to save to your, um, I guess to your right, is the electric chair where you can upgrade stuff. And then in the back, there's also a room where you can use keys to get unlockables, pretty much. And you find these keys throughout the game, and pretty much use those to unlock those, um safes in the back so i guess do we want to talk about the upgrade system at all or you want to say that for later or talk about it so i really like the upgrade system in this game um i feel like for the most part almost every upgrade that you do feels meaningful i guess like there's like a noticeable difference when you start leveling up some of these weapons as far as like how much damage they do and Things like that. And it always felt like there was... And and I guess the other thing is... There's enough things where... You know... It feels like you... I don't know. It's it's a little bit where... Sometimes you can be overwhelmed... Because again... There's a lot of things you can... You know... Choose from as far as upgrades. But... Um, I feel like all of them... End up being pretty meaningful. It's almost RPG-like in that fashion where... You kind of have to specialize, I feel like... Because there's so many options, and you want to use... You're like, oh man, I could really sprint for another two or three seconds. That would help out a lot. But I don't feel like I'm doing that much damage with my pistol, so let me go ahead and use all my points over here instead. Like, the the way I ended up specking out eventually was... I started thinking to myself, well, the only thing that you get in the game that you can craft ammo for is the crossbow. So I'm saying to myself, maybe I need to make sure that I... um, you know, I ended up basically leveling up the crossbow just because that's going to be the only resource that you come across where you can craft what you want necessarily rather than like, oh, I got to worry about, well, if I level up this handgun, are they going to give me enough handgun ammo if I level up this rifle? And they are they going to give me a lot of handgun ammo or I mean rifle ammo or whatever? So I ended up specking out like that for the most part. And then I think other than that, I think shotgun does a lot of damage and you get pretty good amount of ammo for that so i ended up trying to level that up a lot see i went down the complete opposite road where 
I was like, well, I have this pistol. I consistently get pistol ammo no matter where I go. So let me make sure that every bullet counts with that. So I ended up upgrading the critical ability and the power on that first. And then I'm pretty much currently dumping everything into shotgun power at the moment. And I haven't even touched the crossbow or the sniper rifle yet. Oh, man. I, I, I don't know. I guess that's... I guess that makes sense. And that's kind of based on how I played RE4 for a large extent, because I would always go for headshots, and I used a pistol a lot, so I pretty much just went down that road this time. But that's kind of cool that, you, you know, we both can, like, have our different way of approaching it. and They're both know. viable. Yeah. Well, I didn't get as far as you guys, but the only thing I upgraded was my matches. Like, I made sure I could hold more matches. Was <laughs> and, the, and even that's a, a meaningful thing because, right, you can play with, like... It felt meaningful. Like, you go from being able to hold six to... I got it up to 15, and I was, like, tight. Like, I'm, I'm never going to run out of matches. And, um, yeah, I think I did that, and then I did, like, the... I, I kind of was with Dante, like... I kind of stopped playing right when you got the other weapons, so I, I had gotten the shotgun and everything, but I, um, just the shotgun, I had come up to that part, but I was just like, this is too much for me, but I had upgraded the the pistol reload speed, because I was like, like, I didn't shoot it, I besides the very first time you get the pistol, I'd never used the pistol, but I was like, man, two and a half seconds to reload a pistol? Nah, that is too slow. <laughs> and if you're reloading mid-combat, you're doing something wrong. Oh, I, dude, yeah. Like, I, that, 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 it was like, um, I think it was that and just the amount of ammo that my pistol could hold. Those were like the two things that I had got to level two. But yeah, I mostly focused on the amount of, uh, like, the amount of matches you could hold. And when I saw the sprint thing, I was like... Why the hell would I upgrade my sprint? Like, oh. I'm not running into it any... It kind of makes sense why you would. Yeah. It makes... After you try sprinting the first time, yeah. even though I haven't upgraded it, I completely understood. But, like, I, I my, yeah. think, my thought process is, what am I doing that I would be sprinting? Like, what is going on in this? Because, like, I literally was crouching the entire time I was playing this game. So it's funny. You don't want to get away from anything? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when enemies are chasing you, when you're not looking at them, it seems like they move faster. But then as soon as you turn around, it's like they start walking towards you. And even thinking about the sprint thing, right? You could spec out to where you say, well, I want to just have a bunch of matches. And then I'm just going to uh, level up the power of like my handgun and just leg shot people and just burn them and try and like lead them into, you know, packs and then burn everybody like that. So that was my thought process. But, you know, I just didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was putting all of my points into damage. Just everything damaged because I was trying to play stealthy, but in the off chance I did get, you know, caught lacking or something, um, yeah, I was able to, to put down enemies quickly because, like, I noticed, like, when you first get the pistol, I tried it out and it took me about three or four shots to kill an enemy. Even, like, taking headshots sometimes takes two or three shots. So you didn't want to get caught lacking, you wanted to get caught packing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same way though too like I, I when I play these types of games like just because I don't know what it is because I'm thinking of like RE4 and 5 like I just become like the person in the horror movie where it's just like I, not I make the bad decision but I just can't aim my gun for to save my life when I get surprised so like I'm not even aiming for heads I'm aiming for the biggest target that I can 
So a lot of times, oh god, a lot of times it is body shots. So like, I've tried to train myself since playing the res to be like, okay, like, aim for their leg because then you can like they they stumble and you can get away. Is my thought process is like I don't necessarily need to kill them. I just need to be able to get by them or away from them. And like with this and this in re, you could like shoot them in the leg, then kick them or melee them and knock them over. In this game, you can shoot them in the leg and then burn them. So that that was my thought process. Um, yeah. So um, for chapter three, you get to that that village and you're going through this house and you run into none other than Doctor Jimenez, who's basically followed Leslie to the village and before he got surrounded, he being Doctor Jimenez got surrounded by the haunted, which is what he calls the the zombies, so we can, I guess, refer to them as the haunted as well. Um, and basically strike a deal with him where he says, like, I'll distract them if you open up the gate and take them out because you got a gun. And this is where you can explore a little bit more. And like what Trevor's alluded to, you, you find the grenades, you find shotgun, you find the crossbow. At this point, you got four different weapons. Um, and uh, you open up the gate and, like, I mean, it's on at that point. Like, uh... You can explore through the houses, and um, and the, the enemies kind of like once you open the gate, they kind of over overrun the house. I guess you could say there's not a whole lot of them, but they trying to get into the house and all that stuff. So uh, you take them out, and you eventually encounter a tied up sadist who's in the barn of this place uh, at this village, and he ends up breaking free, and you must fight him and. Um, how did you guys feel about fighting the sadists now? Like you're no longer doing the cat and mouse thing. You're, you're fighting them with your, your new weapons. So going into that fight, I was kind of under the impression it was optional. So the way the village is like laid out, you see him before you get to the end of it. So I see him in this little like barn or whatever. I'm looking down on him cause I'm at the top part of the barn. I see he has a chest behind him and I'm like, man, I need to get that chest. And then I try fighting him a couple times, and then I get swarmed by the enemies around me. So I decide to take them out first. And then once you get to the end of the town, it's like, oh, what? if only I had a chainsaw to open this gate. And then I'm like, oh, man, that dude's not optional. I, I need to get his chainsaw. So after taking everybody out, I didn't have too much of an issue with him. Mostly, I I threw some grenades down there before he even, like, bust out of his little cage thing. And then I gave him a couple headshots. But it was a little bit frustrating just getting to that point where I knew, hey, this isn't an optional fight. And two, this is probably the last thing I should do when I'm in this area. So it took me a little bit longer to finish this section of the game than it probably should have, to be honest. Did you guys have any issues with it? Uh, um... No, not really. I mean, I, I think um, at this point I kind of felt pretty comfortable with the combat, and <clears throat> I think it just took a couple uh, explosive arrows, and then I think maybe a few shotgun shots, and then that was it. I think I ended up dying the first time just because I couldn't switch weapons in time, and he ended up just catching me that way. But other than that, nah, I wasn't wasn't too bad. Man, I must have been playing a different game. No, I died about ten times, too. Okay. Yeah, I, I died several times simply because I didn't know you were supposed to go around and kill all the enemies. 
And so I was, you know, I went to the door. They said I needed something to to cut the chain, go into the barn, see the chainsaw. And I guess you can't pick it up until you start that encounter. But once you do start the encounter, of course, it alerts the horde. And, like, I still don't remember killing that many enemies. Like, even individually, to the point where, like, when I was trying this this part, like, the first couple of times. I mean, there were, man, it had to have been at least 20 enemies in that barn, like, coming at me. Like, while I was trying to fight this, this sadist. But, um... But yeah, I went back and eventually, like after clearing out each building, I would go and save the game. And then finally I did the encounter with no, you know, no ads, no support for him. And I think I still died two or three times trying to take him down. But he's... So how do you end up taking him down? Um, I mean, he's just a huge sponge. Uh, basically ran around, um, like if you go outside in the main area there's a little cart like right in the middle and I figured out like if you get out of the you know a closed area you know his he has a pretty huge range but like once he starts swinging he stops moving so you can kind of keep away from him and that's what I was doing I was running in circles around that cart that's outside the barn and um you know so I wasn't taking any damage from him and I think I used like one explosive round um, four shotgun, um, shells, uh, and then a bunch of, uh, pistol rounds and he still didn't want to go down. So I think I ended up killing him with like a, a harpoon. So one of the things I was reading online was you could lure him into that one room with the spike trap and that would kill him. Instantly. Oh, wow. I never actually tried it, but that seemed like a really cool way to just use the environment to take them down and conserve a lot I of ammo. I didn't think about that. The coolest thing when I was watching the guy play was he pre before the guy got unchained. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say unchained. Uh, before he get unchained, he, you can shoot those explosive arrows into the ground and use them as traps. So they don't blow up like grenades. They blow up when somebody runs over the trigger them. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Okay. Well, so he set two of those down, like, in the pathway beneath the, um, one, I think one was set right in the doorway and one was set beneath the, uh, um, uh, ladder. And then he climbed up, he's, he's triggered it, triggered the fight. He climbed up the ladder, explosion one, explosion two. Then the dude starts climbing up the ladder and it's just two shotgun shots to the face and he dies. So he uses like two shotgun shots and two explosive arrows, and it was just like man, like, like I said, watching the way this guy takes down stuff is so like methodical. It's like okay, here's how to do it in three shots or something like that, you know. And so it was really cool. And like, I was trying to like when I was when I watch him fight against bosses, and this is just one of them. I tried to like okay, if I was playing this and I had these weapons, what would I have done on my first playthrough? And I probably would have used the ladder, but I, I wouldn't even know, like, thought to use the explosive bolts like that. So I would have probably just tried to br- lure him to the top, run by him, hop down, shoot him while he's coming down. And I would just probably try to use the ladder and just go up and down the ladder to avoid him. So seeing the way he did, I was like, oh, that's really cool. 
Um, but yeah, uh, after you kill him, you uh, you pick up his his uh, chainsaw and you chop the the gate and you proceed to the next area with Doctor Jimenez, and um, that's the end of chapter three. And uh, so chapter four ends or not ends begins with you and Doctor Jimenez entering the yard of the hospice run by his brother Valerio, who's also a doctor, on your quest to find Leslie. And uh, I think this is kind of um, weird because he kind of uh, reve- he reveals that Leslie was once a patient under his brother here until he's transferred to to the Beacon Mental Facility. Or hospital that he was at for further treatment, so he assumes that he basically will return here because of the his familiarity with the hospice. And again, there's a lot of supplies here that you can search in the hospice. Uh, excuse me, the houses around the hospice. Um, and then uh, right right before uh, you decide to go in the hospice, and once you go in the hospice, you find uh, Valerio. I think he's like singing or talking to himself or whatever, and he's like doing surgery on a or he's like cutting open a like cadaver or a corpse and uh he turns around and you see that he's a deranged like like haunted and he begins attacking you and um you end up uh i I think it's just like he's just like another bullet sponge type enemy right he's not like a boss fight it's like a just like a He's a thick haunted, right? <laughs> I I figured out that this part is actually skippable. Cause, it is? Yeah, because there was an achievement that popped up, um, or it notifies you when you have like a... On Xbox, it notifies you if you have an achievement that you're close to getting. And I noticed it said this one was like a an achievement for Chapter 4. So I looked it up and saw how to get it. And apparently, like, if you don't walk into that building, that... Um, it kind of shows you like a little um, preview that the doctor um, says something about. You can basically just go straight into the like the next section. Weird. Weird. Yeah, huh. I, I skipped over this part. Well, if you go in there and he's like a bullet sponge enemy, you take him out and you see there's an x-ray negative of the cadaver that he was cutting open. And you realize that there's a clue inside, so you have to cut open the corpse. And I was like, this was one of the few times where I was like, I'm glad I'm not playing this game. <laughs> um, did that did that gross you out at all, Dante? Okay, cool. Uh, what about you, Greg? Are you there? <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't grossed out by it. I mean, I, I really appreciate the aesthetic of this game because, like... It's super dingy and, like, dirty, and you just kind of feel disgusting playing it, but it's, like, I don't know, it adds, to me, it, like, adds to the atmosphere a lot. It's, like, instead of everything being moist, it's, like, caked with, like, uh... I just want to wipe my screen when I'm playing. Chronicles of Reddick, everything was just, like, wet and, like, looked yeah. moist and damp. In this game, everything is, like, caked in blood. <laughs> but, yeah, like... My bad. It... it... It was a little gross. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, like, you, you take your knife and you, like, plunge it into this chest of this thing and you cut it open. And then you reach your hand in there and pull out something. And there's a freaking jump scare. And, like... <laughs> and he, it, Wait, what was the jump scare? The thing jumps up at you. Does it? Yes! 
Because then you, like, uh, he stumbles back and he has the clue. At least in the playthrough I was watching. And, like, when I saw that. I thought you just. Weren't you picking out keys or something? That's what you do, but the thing comes. It, like, I think he has a vision. I think um, Sebastian has a vision of it jumping up at him or a nightmare, whatever you want to call it. So he, like, stumbles back and falls to the ground and he has the, the key in his hand. Huh. Yeah, well. I was super glad I wasn't playing. I guess playing. it didn't affect me. I was super glad I wasn't playing because I was you know, in my head. My lizard brain was like, "See, that's why I'm not playing this game <laughs> for that stuff to happen." And I was like, "Damn, man! Like their first jump scare wasn't even until chapter four, and I'm here. I'm thinking everything's going to be a jump scare." Um, but uh, yeah, you um, <clears throat> you you leave the hospice and you're you're, you're uh, there's like one more house like a little bit further down the path to the explore. And this one, um, you hear some crying. You hear Leslie uh, cries coming from within the house. So you, you, you go in and explore, and you find Leslie cowering in a corner. And, like, Sebastian, like, detects a presence. And then you encounter, like, a new enemy type. And it's, uh, I forgot what they're called. They're, they're invisible haunted. And, like, basically, you can't see them. Um, they move furniture like they're there in the environment you can you can hear i guess you can hear them and see them uh when they're moving things but you can't like visually see them uh and after you kill it the party is you guys are like intercepted by ruvik who who is the hooded guy like you find out that the the hooded guy his name is ruvik and um dr jimenez is giving you like background text about him and uh, he ends up separating you from the doctor and Leslie. So now you're by yourself. Um, first off, like, what what did you guys do to deal with the invisible enemy? Did you guys have a certain strategy for dealing with it? No. <clears throat> I tried to look for the... Because I think there's like kind of like a faint um, kind of... I don't know what's the way to describe it. Um, like a tail? outline is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I couldn't really see it consistently, or I would lose track of it. So I would try and just let him attack me so I could find him that way, and I would try and just dodge it, and then just, once I get a beat on him where he's at that way, then I'd just try and lay shots at him that way. Yeah, I was just wondering what you guys did, because, like, um, the walkthrough I watched, the guy, he does, like, flat the flash bolt, and the flash bolt, like, basically stuns it, and then you can rock up to it and execute it, like, stab it through its head. And I, I, I never thought about that. And I was just wondering, like, what you guys did, not knowing that information. Like, what I'm thinking, like, what would I have done in that situation? Because I see what you're supposed to do, but what would I have done, you know? So, wait, what did he do to stab it through the so head? So, you, you, you shoot a, um, I mean, I think he knows the path that it's going. It's making its way to you. So, he shoots a flash bolt into the ground um, oh, close to him. Okay. And then when the thing walks over and it triggers it, and then it goes into like a stunned animation, and it's visible, and then you can just run up to it and do the um, uh, like it's a stab animation. You stab it through its head. That was something I didn't even do till like maybe chapter five or so when I started using uh, flash bolts to just like stun enemies and just stealth kill them. Yeah, like, I didn't even think about that until like way later. Gotcha. See, I don't even think I've used a flash bolt yet. 
that's literally the only, well, not the only. I think that's time. the only purpose yeah, of using yeah. them, to be honest. I think so far, what I've seen, that seems to be the most, co- that definitely is the way he takes down all those enemies, those types of enemies, is using the flashbulb. And, um, no, the one thought that I had when I ran into the invisible enemies was, um, if Marcus does get here, this is where he quits. Because just the th- concept of an invisible enemy is inherent to, like, jump scares or, you know, it's hard not to have a jump scare with an invisible enemy. Yeah, yeah. So I was pretty confident that if you made it this far, you were going to stop. That's a that's a probably accurate statement, especially, like, yeah, yeah. Cause, especially once we go back to the hospital and you say you're super scary about hospitals. Yeah, dude, yeah. So, like, I can even imagine, too, like, I'm like, did that thing move? And then I'm just seeing other things move, and I'm like, I'll just, like, a sense of dread will just, like, overwhelm me. <laughs> but generally, like, my strategy for dealing with those was try to get some type of box or glass in my path, and hopefully he'd run over it, because if they run over a box, a puddle, um, glass, or something that makes noise, you'd see it or hear it. So that's kind of how i direction find for the enemy. And then I just unload on it. <laughs> so once, so once you knew where it was at, then it was a wrap. But like, it was just a matter of like making sure you were in a position where you like once you. I wouldn't even say it's a wrap though, because those things you shoot them and then they disappear pretty fast. You have about a two second window before they disappear again after being stunned. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. So if you don't get that initial kill, you're gonna have to do it two or three so, like, times. So like, what actually, did you? Like, do when you first encountered it so like you're you're telling me what you do now but like when you weren't expecting it when you first got in there right yeah i wasn't expecting so it. like I, did, did you I die i really didn't even know it was there i just thought that was i thought it was telling me once i opened that door that there's going to be something on the other side of it lo and behold the dude's already in the room with me and doing all this stuff so like did you yeah. take a bunch After of damage i figured it out i just used the shotgun did you, did you take a bunch of damage at that part or something? Or I ended up reloading once or twice. Okay, okay. I definitely took some damage not realizing what was going on. I was getting hit and I was like, hold on. But I don't see anybody. And it took like maybe like one other time for me to process and be like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> even, even your second playthrough? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't remember that at all. Okay. So. Yeah, like... It it definitely took me a while, and I think even the second time you run into the enemy, which is in the next chapter, I think, it still um, it still took me a little while to process what had happened. And I guess we'll get to that one later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, like I said, Ruvik separates you, and you get basically brought into a... You wake up, and you're in a blood-filled chamber, like dungeon full of corpses... And uh, basically, anytime this Rubik dude shows up, bad stuff is about to happen. And uh, so you wade through this blood to a, a lever to drain it, and you basically climb out the chamber. And as you, <coughs> excuse me, as you um, are heading towards the exit, he like basically seals it and spawns a bunch of the haunting in there, and you have to kill them to be able to exit the room. And as you're exiting, like, I guess you hear like a loud scream and you, uh, this, this disfigured Catherine-esque creature pops up, um, Laura, who is basically Rubik's sister. 
and um, she's like, I don't even know. She she looks like one of the tower bosses in Catherine to me. Did you, did did you guys get that at all? There's, I feel like I've seen a, like a monster like that before and something else, but I can't remember. It's the girl from the ring. There you go. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Like with more arms. Yeah. yeah. So she crawls like a spider she, instead of. Yeah, her. she crawls on all four on all fours, but she has two additional arms coming out her back. She has like this long, long mangled hair that's covering her face, and she's her skin is like patchy and discolored, and like her fingers are like just super long and pointy, and like she's immune to bullets, so the only thing that hurts her is fire, and she basically chases you down hallways as you kind of like scramble to stay ahead of her, and um, she spawns like when you hear a scream, she starts spawning. And, like, there's this effect on these corpses that are laying. Because, like, I, I I can't stress this enough. Even if you're not killing bad guys, there's just bodies everywhere in this game. So, like, how I was literally running out of matches. Like, there's just bodies that she just appears from. So, like, anytime there's just a dead body, she can just, like, scream. And then she'll just spawn there, basically. Um, so, she's, like, chasing you around and you have to like just stay ahead of her uh you can kind of slow her down by setting bodies on fire i think there's like a gas tank at some point you can shoot and things like that to kind of slow her down because she hates fire and um and it prevents her from like having a spawn point if there's a body there and basically you she chase you until you can finally escape by narrowly ducking underneath the closing door and then you're like on this catwalk and you're like descending uh, down this, this shaft. And once you get near the, the bottom, Rubik, he appears and he just starts slowly walking to you. So you just kind of have to, if you let him get close to you, he kills you instantly. So you just kind of have to backpedal back up. And then once he gets closer and closer and you're like at the top and there's nowhere else for you to go, like he collapses the catwalk, which sends you like plunging into the the depths of the, sh- the the shaft and that's where the chapter ends so so what oh i was gonna go ahead Dante. i was gonna ask is this the one where you had to get the key card first or is that later because I, I know she chases you a couple times i think, I think that, that's later i think that's later because i think you're talking about the boss fight with laura right it's not the boss fight it's um it's the second area where you're actually fighting those invisible enemies. No, no, this is you, because that's one, no, that's the next one, because I'm looking at your notes okay, right now. Okay, okay, I just want to make sure, because there's a mechanic there that I want to talk about. No, so, um, the, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to ask, Dante, did you actually kill Laura, or did you just run away? Um, so, for this first one, I think I just ran away, but I think I actually... I might have set a couple bodies on fire or tried to um, at least impede her a little bit. But I know she was, like, continuously spawning or whatever. So, I remember this part. And so, like, the first time I I tried playing this, like, so initially I thought that the whole fight had to take place in that, within that one room. And I just died, like, at least 20 times just trying to do that. And then... I remember it. I was like, oh, you run back. And once you run back, you can, you know, there's a guy that comes out and then you basically use him as bait. And then that's when I was like, okay, well, at this point in the game, I've got a ton of ammo. 
I'm I'm pretty sure I could I can kill her. And so I just went ahead and tried it. And yeah, you can you can get I mean she comes back later on in the game, obviously, but like yeah, you can kill her there and I forget how much uh green gel she gives you, but it's a good bit. That kinda ticked me off too. Like it didn't happen in this fight, but there's a later fight where you can leave one of the bosses or you can escape from one of the bosses or you can kill it. And if you kill it you get a lot of gel. I just didn't think about killing it at the time. I think I know what you're talking about. We'll get to it later. Um, Humane Dante? What? <laughs> um, the uh, I, This is a side note that I didn't... Uh, so, I didn't realize this, or cause I didn't pay attention to this game, or even realize when it was coming out or whatever, but apparently there was a gameplay demo for this game, and it was the section from when you uh, face Laura to the end of this chapter I believe was the length of it and I was trying to think based off what I saw and I wanted to ask you guys do you think this that is like probably if you were to take a section of this game out to basically marketing advertise this game and get people excited about it can you think of a better section in this game so far Mm, where it's in, I would probably where oh, I was going to say where it's indicative of what you can expect in this game so like as much as we enjoyed the stealth parts, like in Chapter 2, I don't think that would be a good, like, okay, here's what this game is about, because that's a completely different game than what you're playing now, you know? Well, if I was going for the horror movie vibe, I would probably show more of the second encounter you have with Laura. Or I guess it would be the third encounter where you actually, like, have to fight her. But this wouldn't be a bad one to show off. I thought this one is super effective because you fight or there is like a a boss that has a specific way to take it out that you don't have to fight and you're encouraged to run. I believe there's traps and stuff along the, the path, right? Uh, yeah, there so is. So like there's the that added obstacle of like the, the added tension of like, oh, I got to, you know, there's this big monstrous beast chasing me. Um, there's these things obstructing my way or making it more difficult. And then at the end, you you see another mysterious character that looks like a total, like, ba- he's, a, he's a badass, like a hoodie, <laughs> hoodie with no sleeves wearing dude. And, um, you know, he has some type of mystical, supernatural powers. And then it ends with you crashing down the shaft. And you're like, well, what, what, what is this game? Like, I, I think there's enough, like, gameplay and, like, mystery slash intrigue in this section that I feel like it was, like, a real, probably a really effective marketing tool for this game. Yeah, I would have said either Chapter 3, and, and either Chapter 3 or Chapter 5, and I, I get why Chapter 3 might not be the best way of doing it, because it's not completely indicative of the whole experience, but it does kind of pull at some of the strings of people who are familiar with that genre. Like, cause I mean, that's essentially like Resident Evil four, like just that, that part in particular. Um, so you, maybe you get a few people like that, but I think chapter five is, is also a pretty good chapter that you could like pull that out and make that a demo. And then, you know, that would be a pretty good way to kind of demo the game to people. That's fair. I just, I just thought, man, that, I didn't. That was like a little added trivia I found out. I was like, oh, I wonder what these guys think. Okay. Um, hey Dante, I'm gonna let you take over five through eight since you did the notes. And is that cool? 
Yeah, let me... Can you link me? <laughs> okay, I got you. I, I can start it up. Um, so this is... Um, you, you are now... like So you start off and you're in the hospital. And I think at this point you're... One, how do you survive such a huge fall down that shaft? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know this is a video game, but you want to talk about like punching boulders and like ad- abnormal feats of strength. Like this dude fell like, I mean he cr- he crashed into like the wall and stumbled like so many floors. There's a lot of falls in this game <laughs> that look like they hurt a lot. Yeah, have, have you noticed there's no fall damage? Yeah, like um, in chapter three, there's that really tall tower that you can climb up to. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. Like you can just hop off the uh, esc- uh, escalator, the ladders at the very top, and just not take any damage. Yeah. You got it, Dante? Yeah, yeah, I got okay. it. So you start off in the hospital, or at least a hospital that looks very similar to the one that you were in um, when you're saving and stuff. But you're quickly teleported away into a long hallway. And you're going through the hallway, and there's a couple doors to your left and your right. You open a couple of them, you'll see a couple, like, ghost enemies, which I'm still not really sure what's going on with the ghost. Do you guys have any thoughts about the ghosts that show up at this point? Nah. Yeah, me and Greg are here for the story, <laughs> or um, not for the story anyway, so. Trevor, do you have any thoughts on um, the ghosts? Anything no, else? there's... Like, I listened to one of those uh, recordings, and I know it mentioned something about, like, fusing two people together or something like that. So I don't know if they're, like, experimenting on people to give them powers, and this just happens to be, like, one of the the powers that, like, the enemy type was endowed with. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you run into a couple of those. They don't really attack you or anything you can't damage them they can't damage you you head a little bit further down the hallway and you notice one of the stretcher beds or whatever starts to move a little bit like it just kind of gets pushed out of the way and that's when you get um assaulted by your second wave of these invisible enemies so did these guys catch anybody else off guard in this part because for some reason I had already forgotten about the first invisible enemy that you fight in the chapter before. So I I like so I was thinking about it, but for some reason I was like, well, maybe if I just keep running, like they won't attack me. And sure enough, that worked. Like I ran through that whole area without being attacked by one of the invisible enemies. That so did y'all open any of the doors while y'all were going through this corridor at all? Yeah. Like, yeah. there are hallucinations going on throughout each of the, the rooms. Even, like, one room, like, as you're walking to the door, you can see somebody's shadow, like, pass by um, through the window. And then once you open the door, you can look down the hallway both directions and nobody's there. And it's that kind of stuff that, like, makes you uneasy. But then them adding this enemy into it kind of just adds on to that. Yeah, and that's kind of like going back to the ghost thing. You see those ghosts, and they don't really do much. And then when you see the table move initially, I just kind of wrote it off as, oh, it's just another, you know, little effect they're doing or whatever just to, you know, get me out of my element. And then it turns out it's an actual enemy, which apparently you can run past if um, 
you know better. <laughs> but I ended up taking all of those dudes out because eventually you run into a room where you need a key card, but key card's obviously not in that room, so you have to go through a couple hallways before you actually find it. And I think in the process you run into at least three or four of those dudes. So I ended up wasting a lot of ammo at this point just trying to get past them. And you didn't know about the uh, uh, about the flashbolt thing, did you? Nope. Yeah, that would have helped. <laughs> yeah, I, I ended up doing this part a lot because those freaking the invisible enemies are probably the hardest thing that I've run into so far. Yeah, at this point probably, yeah. And I don't think you can stealth kill them if I, well. The only way you can is if you flash them and then you can just hit them with the knife and then that's it. Yeah, so I ended up wasting a lot more ammo than I was used to. And eventually you get the key card. You have to backtrack. There's a couple more invisible enemies that spawn on the way back to the elevator. And then you get onto the elevator. And I believe that takes you um, to this room with no doors. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, I think so. Where you have to peek through these little peepholes. Yeah, that's like the... I guess that's the first real puzzle at this point, maybe? Pretty much. But pretty much each one of the three rooms you have to go into, um, you see different people. You see like a ghost, and he's writing on a chalkboard or a blackboard, whatever it is. And you kind of have to use elements of the room to solve the puzzles. And pretty much you're left with a decision. It's like, do I hit this left switch or do I hit this right switch in each one of the rooms? And if you choose the wrong one, it's an insta-death from my understanding. Yep. So did anybody die here? I think I died once, maybe. Well, I know Marcus didn't die, so Trevor, yeah, did you die? Yeah, I died a couple of times. I actually got lucky in the first two rooms because I didn't really even understand that there was a puzzle going on so I guessed right both times and then by the third room I got like smart about it and figured it out but um, I think it's at this point you find Joseph in a tub and Joseph's kind of like Marcus do you want to explain Joseph a little bit oh well he ends up being like your partner that you have in a couple chapters and pretty much he's like the NPC That'll travel along with you, use his ammo, and do some stuff. He's like this so, game's version of like a useful Ashley from Resident Evil 4. See, I was going to say useful Sheva, but... Yeah, that's true. You know. Either way, he's pretty <laughs> competent. He has his own health bar. You can hold A to heal him at any time. So, have you guys ever run into any situation where he became a hindrance? No, not at all. Like, if anything, he was helping me out a bunch because I would, uh... Dude, he can tank. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I'll just let him... It, he was pretty good about just taking out enemies, right? So I'll just... There's another section where he's he's there, too, and he's super helpful there. But, yeah, I let him try and, like... Because I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and keep as many of my resources as I can and see if he can, like, you know, see how much damage he can do. But, yeah, he's pretty good about taking out enemies. Yeah, like, he just... He's almost like a secondary version of you. Like, he is a very competent NPC. Yeah. Where you could tell the developers were like, hey, we want this dude to actually help you and not be a hindrance like most, you know, survival horror games where you have to escort your teammate or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I completely thought so it was going to be escort. kind of end up in this Battle Royale scenario with him very soon afterwards. 
What were you going to say? Yeah, I, I completely thought this was going to be like an escort type chapter where I was clearing a path for him to get through. Yeah, dude's kind of a beast. But pretty much you go on a little bit with him and you end up in this room where you see, I guess, Lieutenant Kitman. And she's being drowned in this water tank. And pretty much you're trying to get her out of it, but at the same time you're being surrounded by pretty much a big swarm of enemies. So how did you guys handle this scenario? Um, Like I said, I kind of let... Uh... Uh, what was that dude's name again? Joseph. Uh, yeah. I pretty much let him do most of the work. Um, you know, kind of tried to search for ammo and take shots while I could. But for the most part, I'm trying to let him handle a lot of it. But uh, I feel like that worked out pretty well. Um, Trevor? Yeah, I died a lot on this part. But then, hmm. I don't know, I guess I tried to exploit it by running up and down that that big ramp like how you can it's like a um yeah right side um and so whenever enemies spawn downstairs i would run upstairs and kind of let joseph pick off enemies and then the ones that came up to me i would take care of those and then same thing for whenever enemies spawned upstairs were you uh were you just dying from being overwhelmed or you yeah, just didn't have I enough was resources? Being or? overwhelmed because I wasn't paying attention to where they were coming from. I was just kind of uh, like waiting until they appeared and got close enough for me to deal with them. So I started using the strategy that Greg alluded to earlier, where I would wait until a lot of them tried to swarm me at once, and then I'd use like a shotgun, and that would bring most of them to their knees. And then if you throw a single match into there you could catch three or four enemies on fire, which is a guaranteed kill in this game. So that became a really effective way to just take out giant swaths of enemies. I think that was... I did that. Go ahead. Oh, no. I I think that was the thing that was messing me up when I originally played the game. I wasn't playing like that. Like, I was just treating it like it was Resident Evil 4, like just trying to gun down everybody. And I think once I started trying to think of other ways of, like, trying to take out the enemies, and it it, it really, like, made it a lot easier to kind of, like, handle encounters in this game. Yeah, and the fact that you didn't have to worry about Joseph in this scenario was, like, a lifesaver. Just because he would take about half the heat off of you at any given time. So, if I ever felt overwhelmed, I'd kind of run towards him, knowing that he could probably, like, at least pick up half of my slack. Not only that, it was also nice to not even have to worry about having to heal him with items. It's just like, oh, I can just walk up to him and press, you know, A or whatever, and then... And I think I only had to do that, like, once during that fight. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, um... I think they introduced a new enemy, or I should say a new variant of an enemy here. Have we run into the, like, regular zombies with the dynamite at this point? No, I think that's the first time you run into him. And I think that was the one time I died here. Somehow one of them snuck up on me and pretty much blew himself up. Yeah, that's how I died a couple of times. Does anybody else feel like uh, this game is pretty good about keeping like cheap deaths to a minimum? Or is it just because I've played so much of it at this point that I kind of know what to expect and like how to deal with most of the situations? I think there was one time that I would consider it an unfair kill what happened to me. But everything else is pretty much my fault as far as I'm concerned. Nah, nothing was my fault. 
<laughs> take no blame. Yeah, like that was the thing. Like the first time I played this game, it was just like every time I, I just felt like the game was just so much trial and error, and it's just like you know, it, it, I always felt punished for trying to do things. But like I said, the the more I played it this time, it, it was like it felt the complete opposite. Like I just felt like wow, it's like. You feel like you're rewarded more for trying things and trying to think outside the box and like use what you have and and trying to, you know, come up with a way to keep other resources instead of using the same ones over and over. It's definitely one of those games that you can tell has been affected by the mentality since like I don't I keep having to bring up Dark Souls, but the whole the deaths are your fault, you just need to figure out what you did wrong and kind of learn from your mistakes and I think this game does a really good job of setting you up in situations where you could easily fail but there's a lot of ways you can get yourself out of a bad situation by just being creative, thinking on your feet and you know applying what you've learned from previous situations and I think another thing about this chapter too is like the chapter before this one and then leading up to this encounter um you're basically collecting resources you're collecting ammo so by the time you get to this point you should be fully stocked and then of course there's also resources around you too to um, to keep you stocked on ammo um so you know this is clearly not a stealth portion of the game so you can feel free to to utilize any resources at your disposal take down enemies which was fun for me yeah it's like kind of a nice change to be like all right well i'm not really on edge this is just kind of like a shootout so you can kind of gets rid of some of the tension that like some people might have like with it being kind of a survival horror game yeah and you can kind of tell this game does a very good job of indicating that it's one of those sections because you just see like ammo lying around the enemies. I'd like to say their drop rates are probably adjusted right here because they drop a lot of ammo when you you kill a couple of them. And that's another thing that, like, these games tend to do. They'll artificially adjust the difficulty, quote-unquote, so they'll detect if you're low on certain types of ammo and start giving you stuff. But, um, anyway, you get through that fight, you need to still save Kitman from the water tank, so you end up splitting off from Joseph at that point. You both hit a switch, I believe. And yeah. once you hit the switch, it drains the tank, but the floor under Kitman and Joseph collapses. And being the good teammate that you are, you jump you jump down after them. Thus, um, going back to what Marcus said, you're jumping down a lot of pits and not taking any damage in this game. <laughs> but once you jump down there, you you start hearing them um, from a distance, so you start running their way. You reunite with them, and very shortly after being reunited, you get dragged off again. And I believe, um, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the part where you run into Laura again? Uh, yeah. Okay. And this time you're just like, um, are you actually fighting her as in the boss fight, or? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's like an actual boss fight, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so what did you guys think about the Laura boss fight? Um, yeah, it was cool. I guess it's the the thing of, like, 
Um, I think Marcus was saying something about how she kind of responds. If you do like burn her, she just responds into like another dead body. Um, so it it was a little interesting. I'm trying to keep track of her sometimes when you do, because I think the only way you can really like do damage to her is burning her at this point. I guess you can shoot her, but it doesn't do as much damage as just burning her. But, uh, but yeah, I think it was kind of cool that, you know, it was another thing of like playing off the thing of like, oh, there's all these dead bodies. So, you know, you don't really think anything about it. And then it's like, oh, well, now once I damage her, she just disappears and comes back to life and in a body that's laying around. So, um, which I didn't, I don't know. I don't know if you can actually burn all the bodies before that. And then that kind of eliminates her spawning so many times. I didn't think about that, but I tried that. It doesn't work. That didn't work. Because I, okay, I, I think she spawns <laughs> at whatever body you're closest to. So, like, every time okay. I, you know, looked for another body to to burn, she would just end up spawning there. That is accurate. You can limit the amount of places she can spawn by burning the bodies. That's what you did? Yeah, at some point, like, at least the way I approached the battle was to wait a couple seconds, see where she's going to spawn... And if you wait, like, for the second right after she comes out of the body and burn the body, you'll get her in, like, a loop, pretty much. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Basically trying to catch the transition from her, the body being dead, to her coming out of it and just trying to... Exactly. It's a very small window, but it pretty much guarantees, like, she'll take damage instantly. So I didn't think about doing that. I think, because I saw that when I initially came in there i saw the barrels and i was like oh well, this ought to be easy right i'll just lead her to the barrels um then try and burn her or um i'll use the bodies to lure into those and then burn the bodies while she's over them and try to use the incinerator rooms uh so i unintentionally killed her that way because i think she spawns into one of the bodies that's in there and then i just pulled the lever and she just happened to be down there Apparently that's like the easiest way to do it because those rooms apparently do a lot more damage. Yeah. Than your typical barrel or body burn. Trevor, did you get yeah, past this fight? Did you have any issues um, with it? Other than dying, no. <laughs> well, I was just saying, like, it took me a good ten to fifteen tries to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know. Because if she touches right. you, it's instant and, death. and that's what I was trying to avoid. Because, like I said, I put all of my um, <clears throat> all of my points into um, into damage, so sprinting mm-hmm. wasn't an option. Um, but I don't know; it was kind of just a combination of avoiding her, and then also getting her, you know, in a at a I guess at a disadvantage to where I could use the environment. Sprinting is, like, the easiest way to get yourself killed in this game. Because you have about three seconds worth of sprint, and then once that's up, he just oh, yeah. stops. And yeah. he does that, like, you know, like, obese dude just... <sighs> like, he takes a good five seconds before he can actually start moving again. And it is the I think that's worst. an instant death if you do get caught that way. Yeah, if she, like, swings yeah. at you... And you're not moving when she's well with like any head. enemy because I remember when I was fighting the um, the sadist with a chainsaw. Um, every time I would get winded, 
you know, he would just come up behind me and it was instant death. So, uh, Marcus, are you there? Yeah. I was going to ask how your dude did it. So, I was going to say, Trevor was right, he does spawn, or I'm sorry, Laura spawns at the closest um, corpse you, to you. And he pretty much did what you were saying, uh, which was basically wait till they she's spawning and light the thing on fire. And he actually goofed at a, at a point and uh, he um, accidentally lit a body too late. So she was on the, 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 the playing field. So that's when he uh, used one of those explosive cans that Greg was talking to. Um, but yeah, he basically just looped it, like you were saying, with everybody he would run to, let her spawn, burn it at the right time, run to the next body, let it spawn, do that. And he, he there's two, I want to say there's two uh, of those, like, furnace rooms. One at the top and one at yeah, the top. Yeah, yeah. So he, he got the final kill on the one that you need to drop into. Or I guess you don't need to drop into it, but to get the green... But there's a ladder going down. Yeah, yeah. So he gets the final kill in that, so... But he does end up dropping her in both because, like you guys said, I guess that gives them more, does more damage. So yeah, pretty much a combination of what you all said because uh, he had to use an explosive barrel when she he burned it, but it, he burned it too slow. So, and I'm just gonna make sure for Trevor's sake. Did you pick up the gel that she dropped? Yeah. Okay, good man. So, anyway, after the fight, you enter a lab area where there's more ghost stuff going on, and I can't remember the exact details of what you see, but essentially one of the ghosts um, that the doctor is working on, he's like, this subject has the potential or something like that, and you get teleported to this, um, I don't know, it's like this outdoor area where you see this giant brain core thing that's controlling the zombies and then you get teleported back into the room and you see the little core thing and there's three zombies that come out of the little bathtubs and they start attacking you and you have to knock each one of them down and rip out the core or I guess the cord attaching them to the core to actually end the sequence and end the chapter so did you guys have any issues with this or have any thoughts on it no, not really. It made me think of like jacking out, scary. like in the Matrix. <laughs> it's like you're out of this Pretty nightmare much. now. <laughs> Good riddance. <laughs> it was just kind of one of those surprising things where, after you had this giant boss fight with one of the, you know, it feels like it's a flagship enemy, Laura. She feels like one of the two big bads that you've really, you know, run across so far. And the chapter's not over there. They decided to add this little extra sequence to the end. I just thought that was really interesting. But um, that brings us to the end of chapter 5. And chapter 6, you start back in the hospital, I believe. But um, Leslie, the, I guess, insane asylum patient, warps you back into quote-unquote reality or present day, whatever you want to call it. Shortly after that, you reunite with Joseph, but um, you guys realize you have to run because a horde of zombies is headed your way. And you climb up this ladder, you get to this door, and it's locked by some giant 
mechanic. Like, I can't even describe what type of lock it is. It's just this giant thing on the door. But apparently Joseph knows how to solve it. But he needs a little bit of time, so you got to hold off these zombies while he tries to open the door. It's like a three-tier uh, bomb or something like that. So It's just really weird. It's like, oh, well, I randomly climbed up this ladder, and, well, here's a super video game thing. Here's a door that's locked by this arbitrary bomb. And, of course, he's an expert on how to <laughs> yeah. solve it. Let's even it's talk like, about oh, why I, is I can there... do this in five minutes if you just give me that time. Let's talk about why is there even a bomb on the door? Like, what What was... Like, why? Who? Who would do it's that? It's zombie-proof, guys. <laughs> Did the zombies put it there? <laughs> yeah. Was it Ravik? I don't know. But, um... Essentially, you have to... Hold off for him long enough to disarm that bomb. You go down a flight of stairs, and he has to do the same thing with a second bomb on the um, bottom floor. So, what did you guys think of this section? Uh, it was cool. Um, I like, again, like, I'm really here for the combat, so anytime you get to kind of mess around with the weapons and try and, you know, figure out the most efficient way to get rid of everything, I thought, you know, that's a fun time for me, so I liked it. Uh, yeah, and I don't think it was particularly, like, difficult as far as, you know, you have those missions where it's like, oh, you need to, you know, hold off for me so I can do this thing, and then the person inevitably dies, like, two seconds before they unlock the thing, but I really didn't feel like I had to cover for Joseph that much. No. Um, I, that was never the part of the, like, fight that, you know, wore me out. Obviously, I wasn't playing, but the thing that was most striking for me watching was, like, oh, you're outside and it's daytime, and, right... That's the part you're at, right? Yeah. Okay, I was about to say, you guys were quiet. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, I was like, oh, man, like, if there's any chapter that I've watched so far that I would be down to play, it's this one. Because it gave me, and I know this is, like, blasphemy to some in this group, but, like, it gave me vibes of RE5 when you are inside of the, like, the tomb inside, you know? I thought you were going to say, well... That's like five minutes from now, but go ahead. Okay, well, just that this this level, the way it was like a labyrinth and like um, not a labyrinth, but I was gonna say it reminded me of the like the first stage of RE5 where you're in that village. Oh, see, for me, it was when you're inside of the the ruined, I guess you could say, um, and you gotta lower each of those platforms or whatever. Anyways, like it doesn't matter. It, it just gave me a heavy RE5 vibe. Where RE5 and like RE4 was like, it wasn't necessarily spooky, so there was more daytime environments, and you just had to, a lot more action, and like you had a, you, I think you get a sniper rifle in this level, and like this just gave me a heavy vibe of RE5. Uh, yeah, I would say this is a very distilled version of that RE5 feel, like that look and feel of RE5. Because after you unlock those two doors, pretty much hit a save, and immediately after you get the save, you get the sniper rifle that Marcus was talking about. And the level, it gets kind of vertical at this point. So you have a left side and a right side. Either way you go, you have these enemies kind of on these mounted guns, quote-unquote, that start shooting spears at you. And your partner's like, hey, 
we need to take out all of these spear dudes before we can progress. So you kind of have to work alongside him and just move through the level, figure out where you can get the pot shot on these um, enemy shooting spears down on you before you can do anything. And it's a very open-ended, kind of combat-oriented fight that you have right there. And that's why I think it reminds me of RE5. I didn't even think about RE5. I, uh, I guess I always just associate this game with Resident Evil 4, so it's like, I don't know, just maybe I, maybe it's just I've fallen out of like thinking about that game, so maybe that's why I, I don't necessarily go to RE5 when, when I think about this. Well, Greg, I'll extend the same invitation I gave Trevor. If you ever <laughs> want to play RE5 with somebody, holler at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you guys think of this section? You got a new weapon. You're kind of working alongside Joseph, and this is kind of the first time you guys are for, together for a, you know, really significant amount of time. So how do you guys feel about it? Uh, I guess about the same as I kind of felt on the section beforehand. Like I said, it, the combat-heavy stuff in this game is super fun. So, um, yeah, just kind of liked it. Trevor? Oh, I didn't get to the section at all. Yeah. Oh my! Oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm. I'm just taking it all in. So once I get there, I can. Okay, so you're along for the ride at this point. Um, after you kill all of the guys, um, with the mounted spear guns or whatever, one of the chainsaw dudes, I guess they're called Sadus, comes down, and you have to kill him. It's a very enclosed environment you have to do this fight in, so. It took me a while to actually figure out what to do, but I ended up using a couple barrels and catching them on fire. Really? And All I did is I just uh, I used the ice bolt, just did that, and then like maybe three shots from the shotgun, and then I think maybe I had to maybe shoot him one more time other than, other than that, but yeah, that was it. I'm going to have to try give out that, um, like the ice bolt thing a try. Those they're super effective. Like if you just need to like just especially on the enemies that like take a lot of damage, just do that and then shoot them in the head with a shotgun a few times. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this game. There's just so many ways to approach different combat scenarios. But take care of the chainsaw dude, and then I think you reach a bridge at this point, and for whatever reason. Your partner decides to go on ahead and try to fight these enemies or whatever. He triggers an explosion. He's on one side of the bridge, you're on the other side. The zombies kind of take his semi-conscious body, and they're dragging it to this guillotine that you just saw used, like, a couple seconds ago. And you have to snipe these zombies before they take your um, teammate to the guillotine. And you do that, you get over to the other side... And dude is super not appreciative of you saving him. And he's like, oh man, I would have been better off if you just let them um, kill me and everything. Then he pulls a gun on himself. <laughs> and you fortunately tackle the gun out of his hands. But this time I was feeling a certain type of way. I'm like, man, we're in this together. Why, why are you making this more difficult than it needs to be? <laughs> so did you guys have any th thoughts on um, Joseph at this point? Nah. I mean, I he's still the homie. I mean, he's cool, but he, I I I think it's just 
his mental is like a, a testament to like his mental strength or whatever because he's dealing with having like being infected right because i thought yeah i think before this he changes once because doesn't he like first he pulls the gun on you and points it at you then he points it on himself isn't that what he does or maybe that's what i remember i think that's towards the end of the chapter okay but i it just is a testament to like his mental where he's at right now he's just like yo man like this is hard to deal with and i don't want to deal with it anymore you know and who's that dude from grand theft auto 5 i haven't played that game uh you haven't or no grand theft auto 4 sorry uh, playboy and the other dude uh, the one that's super mopey the entire time uh, the black dude that remember. came out of prison that got out of prison you have to make a major choice to kill him or Playboy, and I don't remember oh my God. what his name is. It's like Donovan, or Do- I think it starts with a D. Uh, but that's who this dude reminds me of. He's like, oh, man, you're better without me. And uh, The only character I remember, yeah, I do bust him out of for prison. better or for worse, is Brucey. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't think this game has a Brucey equivalent. Hopefully not. <laughs> no. That'd be kind of weird. <laughs> But yeah, when I um when I ran into this dude and then he pulled the gun on himself, I'm like, oh, this is like that one dude from Grand Theft Auto. Dang, I can't remember that guy's name now. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking. about. I do about, know who right? you're talking about. I think he had just got out of prison or something too. But anyways, yeah. yeah I thought I thought so... it'd be funny if like you got to that point and you had run out of ammo or something. I'm assuming there's ammo that you could pick up around it you. It just fires a blank. Well, you know, just like you, you said you had to use a sniper, and I'm just like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, somebody, like, me playing, and it's like, I didn't pick up any sniper ammo or something like that, and you know, like, or I had run out of ammo, and it's just like, what do I, do I throw a bottle? Like, how do you... But I'm assuming they would spawn ammo there. Right after that cutscene, there's a little bit of sniper Yeah, that's what I was saying. I assume that there's probably ammo there to prevent that from being a thing but i I just thought that'd be funny if like you can't save them (laughs) but um after that happens you go past the gate and shortly after that he gets sick um joseph gets sick and this is kind of just where you reassure him it's like okay man just just hold on everything's gonna be okay and he chills out for a little bit he climbs up this ladder, finds a sniper rifle, and he's like, hey, I'll cover you while you go through this, like, underwater cemetery, or, you know, like, it's not underwater. Below, it's below sea level? Or... Water. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's like New Orleans or something like that. And pretty much you have to slowly go through this area while enemies are shooting at you. He's covering you from the, the rear. And you eventually end up in front of a giant. Can, can I? And you run from the one giant and find another giant. So this is where you fight the two giants. The one thing I want to say is, like, video game, ass video game. But, like, he goes from wanting to pull a gun on himself to you entrust him with having a gun. And I was just like... What's going on? Like, this dude just tried to shoot himself, and now you're like, no, give me my pistol. Oh, I found a sniper <laughs> rifle. All right, get my back. 
And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) He can shoot you or himself. What is going on? (laughs) I just wanted to say that because that bothered me. I was like, man, like... (laughs) There's a lot of things Joseph does in this chapter that bother me. Yeah, okay, okay. We'll we'll get to those. (laughs) So, um... Greg, what do you think about the giant fight? Um, so I guess I just lucked out as far as not having to do with both of them at the same time. Um, I did the same strategy as like the chainsaw guy. I just shot him with the ice bolt and then just kind of dumped ammo into him. And after like one or two of those, he died. And then the other dude came out and I still had some spares and, uh, and I was able to take him out pretty quick or both of them out pretty quick. So I kind of meandered to the back of the cemetery and another video game thing. There happens to be, like, not a hollow grave, but a hollow statue to a grave where you can just kind of crouch from one side of it and crouch walk to the other side. So I kind of cheese the um, giants to some extent, where I just shoot them a couple times, crouch walk, go to the other side of the little, like, stone hedge or whatever, and shoot them from that side and rinse repeat. And they were never smart about it, so... Giants weren't that bad. Marcus, what did your dude do? Uh, pretty much the same thing you did. He uh, did the crosswalk between those two statues, and then he would uh, shoot one with an explosive bolt, and since they were so close to each other, they'd both take the, mm-hmm. the damage. So he was able to, between that and throwing grenades, I mean, like, it was basically two or three explosive bolts and two grenades, and he killed both of them. Because they just huddled together. Otherwise, yeah, they kind of congregate. So these giants, I'm looking at some of the gameplay of them. They look like the giants from like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Is does this game kind of get soulsy, souls like? As far as aesthetics and yeah. enemy design, kind of, because the next thing that comes after it is very souls esque. And yeah, you kind of get into the supernatural, not just um, horror-based enemies, I guess you could call them. And it's more Lovecraftian at some point. Greg, have you played any of the Souls games? Um, I played maybe five or six hours of Demon Souls and uh, maybe about three or four hours of Dark Souls. So from this area, did you get that type of vibe with the mm. graveyard and... Yeah, I could kind of see that that comparison. Yeah, because now that Trevor pointed it out, it kind of does make sense. But um, after that fight, um, Joseph, he um, finds a horse statue, pulls the leg, and unlocks this secret passageway. So you go through the passage, and you end up in a different room. There's a little bit of a puzzle there with... um bodies and making sacrifices it's a really quick puzzle and then you immediately end up fighting this chimera dog what do you think about the dog mm, it was kind of scary I guess and the fact that it, it, you know I didn't really know you know how difficult it was going to be because I don't remember I didn't remember this encounter but um, but yeah once I kind of uh, figured out kind of his attack pattern and uh, got a read on it. It wasn't too bad to take him out. 
See, I never got a good read on him. Like, he'd do that charge move, and since I wasn't using the harpoon or whatever, mm -hmm. I didn't have anything that would really stun him. So I took a lot of damage during this fight. This yeah. Also, the point in the group chat where I was like, how many fights can this one chapter have? Because <laughs> I'm like, dang, we fought the chainsaw dude. We fought two giants, and now we have to fight this dog. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but I had to call you out on it. <laughs> See, the thing about Ninja Gaiden is, aside from health, you don't really have limited resources, so... That's know. fair. I just remember, like, fighting two tanks back-to-back, -back, then the helicopter, and you just being like, that's just the game, dog. <laughs> and even in that game, at least you can buy resources. In this game, you can't even do that. Right? It's just, Ugh. you just upgrade and that's it. Not to mention that giant fight you have out in the open that uses a lot of ammo. Yeah. But you fight the dog, eventually, I guess you knock him out, and you escape through this little fence area. And then you're walking up the path to the cathedral, and Joseph's like, Yo, dog, I think I dropped my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand the point of that. Like, the... It's the dumbest thing, but I think it's my favorite scene in the game. <laughs> just how stupid it was, because your character just gives him this look, and he's just completely quiet for a couple seconds. And he's like, well, guess we gotta go back for those glasses. And I only wonder if it's there for a gameplay purpose of like, oh, well, you can, uh, we'll give you a you second chance dog. yeah, to actually kill the dog if you want to get some uh, gel from it or something, but... But yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird that they just kind of was like, huh? Right. I was laughing out of my mind, but at the same time, I was so salty because <laughs> I had used so many resources on that stupid dog the first time, and my health was so freaking low. And I'm like, man, I gotta go back for these dudes' glasses. <laughs> Does it at least checkpoint after you kill them, or not kill them, but like once you go through that gate? Honest to God, I don't know. Because that would be a real dick move if it didn't checkpoint. It was like, all right, well, I'm going to go back here and get these glasses, and then you die and have to do the whole fight again. I was, I so I watched the dude do this, and I was like, man, I can't wait to hear what these guys have to say about that part. Because I know I would have been so mad. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with Dante where I would have been like, man, I got no ammo, and I got to go back in there, you know? Like... <laughs> I made it past this part. He's not a threat. But I gotta get these glasses for this dude. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So, this is just kind of a joke question, but has there any ever been anything stupid in, like, real life that you guys have had to go back for at any, like, situation? It's like, oh, I forgot this stupid thing. Now let me go back and um, pick it up. Uh, I'd have to. Think. I mean, just like, off the. I'm pretty sure. Just off the top of my head, I don't know if this is aligned with you, along what you're thinking, but like, I've definitely been like, okay, you know, we're we're leaving the house, and we're like, all right, I'm gonna get, take my car, and then I have the wrong keys when I, you know, we gotta go down a hill, like, uh, our house is on a hill, so we gotta go down a hill to the to the street, to our uh, cars, and I've done that where I've gone down with her keys and we're gonna take my car and so i have to go back up the hill to get my keys but nothing like oh i left my glasses now go kill this thing again <laughs> nothing like that <laughs> i think i was on a family trip to maryland 
and we get like an hour away from my house, and my mom's like, I forgot, I can't remember if it was like a shirt or a pocketbook or something, and she's like, I guess we gotta go back, and I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> so yeah, there's... There are times in life where it's just like some super petty thing you have to go back for. Actually, I can't think of really dumb. I was about to say I can't think of anything super extreme, but like the worst case is like, I mean, it's like a twenty-five minute drive from my house to my job, and I've definitely left my my keys for work at home and had to drive all the way back home after I got to work, and you know that's happened with me and my badge before. Actually, uh, the the worst, not the worst, but the one that's most common for me is like going to the gym and forgetting my headphones yeah. or working forgetting my headphones. Oof. But um, I, I just thought of one where I was in, so, you know, live in Kansas City now, and we flew back for, flew back to Atlanta to go to Birmingham for a film festival. And then when we were on our way back, we were going to stop at the Atlanta airport for this interview that we were going to do with our passports to basically get like TSA pre check. And I forgot to bring our passports. So we had scheduled this interview for like two months in advance and at the Atlanta airport. And we was super excited about it and completely forgot to bring the stuff I needed to in order for us to even get in the room to interview. So I did that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, back to the game. So you start um, the next chapter in a chapel with Joseph, but Ruvik smashes you down into these catacombs below the um, chapel area. And this is another case of you taking a lot of fall damage, or you theoretically should take a lot of fall damage, but you get up on scale. Not phased. <laughs> Not at all, man. Like I watched that cutscene, and you smash through like three different layers of stuff. He uses the force, and he, like, he like you're in a church, and he, like, makes you levitate, like, a floor off the ground, you know? You're, like, 10, 15 feet off the ground, and then he smashes you through the floor. It's like some Are you even still stuff. alive yeah. at this point? Like, is all of this just a dream? <laughs> it's all a dream! <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Cause I'm, who knows cause I'm thinking, story, like, anything is the beginning possible. of the game, like, when you first get attacked... Or actually, when you're um, trying to escape the sadist, and he he basically um, he chops one of your legs off, and you're hobbling. Like as soon as you leave that asylum, you're walking fine, fine again. He doesn't chop your leg off. He just like nicks your like Achilles or like the back know, of your man, leg. It looked I, like a lot of blood, or maybe there was. I mean, you're right. It did, and I and I'm I knife. I'm with you on everything. I'm I'm trying to figure out what is a dream and what is like. I don't know, like, that's kind of what I'm at, where I'm like, this sound effect, every time this sound effect happens, like, it, he goes further into this dream-like thing. I wonder if it's, like, he's 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 asleep or something, and this is all, like, a, a elaborate dream, and, like, the sound effect that he hears, that ringing, is, like, his alarm going off in real life or something like that, yeah. which causes him to, like, go further into this... And even like crazy, even like the transitions between chapters. I don't know if y'all noticed, but this is probably my favorite part of this game. Is like when you trans transition from one area to the next. Like, uh, what chapter was it? Where you basically fall down. It's like a long fall. Then all of a sudden, you're rolling on the floor and you hit a wall. That's that's uh, 
the end of chapter four going into five when you Ruvik, because it happened twice actually. Uh, there's the one where he takes away the, the, the catwalk and then you just fall down that huge shaft and you hit the floor and then it turns into the wall and it kind of tilts yeah. and then you hit the floor again. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, every time that Ruvik appears, he kind of does knock you down. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, what you gonna do about it? Maybe he's representative of the man trying to hold you back. <laughs> I was thinking like the seven circles of the underworld, but... The man is part of those seven circles. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, anyway, you get put into these catacombs, and you head a little bit deeper in, and you notice this safe-looking thing, and it just it jiggles around a little bit. And at this point, I tried to shoot it, but nothing happened. But you go a little bit deeper in, and a body appears from under the safe-looking thing, and it turns out it's an actual, like, person. And he pretty much locks you in this room, and you have to create, or, um, collect three lithographs to get out of it. And a door to your left opens, and a door to your right opens. So, Greg, what do you think about this area? Um, just the initial part of it, or just the whole thing? I, I guess in general, just, like, everything leading up to the whole open-ended area. Um, I kind of like it. I mean, I, I think, uh, anytime they give you kind of an area that you can kind of explore and it's not just a, uh, you know, not, not like a really one note thing. I think it's a, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, it was, it's definitely a little bit different than the previous chapters. It feels like, especially this part where it kind of opens these two paths to your side and it's like, well, you kind of get to pick your poison. Do you go left first or do you go right? And the left path, it kind of focuses on toxic gas, from what I recall. Yeah. Where you have to um, kind of kill these enemies quickly before you get poisoned yourself. And then the right path has a lot of spike ceilings and a couple secret passages where you can get some upgrades and stuff. And you go through that, and then you actually find Leslie. Actually, no. Before you find Leslie... You end up in this narrow corridor where Boxhead is at one end, and he's laid out all of these... They're not really spike traps, they're more like barb traps. And you have to run down this corridor towards him, while at the same time avoiding these traps he set up for you. So, did you guys have any issues um, getting through these traps, or getting through the sequence? No, I just watched somebody so else do only... <laughs> no, no. Since he can't die. <laughs> um... Like the only issue I really had was, um, I guess it was well not necessarily with the getting through the traps part. I guess it's just the fight after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if we're, I'm skipping too far ahead by talking about no, that. No, we can go ahead and like you find Leslie. You're trying to help him out. He gets spooked and essentially runs away from you. Triggers a trap, locks you in a room with Boxhead, dude. And this is a part where you have to pretty much kill Boxhead. Um, so that fight, the thing that was just, I think it's one of the the better fights up to this point, I think, but, um, it's just kind of super tense because you do damage to him and then, oh, one, you see that, I think he originally spawns out of one of the little safes that's on the floor. 
So then now when you're fighting him and then you kill one of them, then you kind of see this weird animation happen. And then you hear some noise and then off somewhere he spawned again. So it's like another one of those things of like, Oh, well I don't know where he could be at at this point, And I could just I be running around. I wonder if he's related to Laura. Yeah. <laughs> she has the same ability where she can spawn from dead bodies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was a little bit, uh, unnerving. And then on top of that, having to, uh, also have to deal with the, I guess this is kind of like an environmental puzzle as well, because, um, you've got to deal with the poison gas again. So not only are you worrying about trying to shut these valves off of the gas that's in there, you have to also, um, kill these enemies or avoid them while you're doing that. Or, um, you know, and then also have to try and because he starts putting down traps as well when you're fighting yeah. him. So it's like there's two parts about it because you can uh, you can also just try and avoid them, but you can also disarm the traps, which is kind of difficult. But you can do that and also gain resources to uh, build bolts because um, that's what I ended up doing a couple times because um, I started running low on bolts. And usually I think it was like maybe two explosive bolts would always kill him. Or two, maybe two harpoon bolts, maybe, but, uh, but yeah, so I found myself doing that a couple of times, but, um, yeah, this, this is also the point I was just going to say really quickly where I realized I was kind of playing the game wrong. Cause you say you were low on bolts and I was in the nineties. Oh. <laughs> so, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think that's the only issue I really had with, I just kept, uh, I got lost a couple times and I mean, so that's the other thing that kind of messed me up was I got confused as to where I was even going once I did turn off the gas. And then I just kept running around killing these, these, uh, uh, these box heads or whatever. And it's just like, man, I'm just There's one point where he literally takes off one of the valves with mm-hmm. a hammer and you have to find another valve to replace it. And if you don't know to go back to this previous room, you can end up wondering for a really long time just like do I have to fight him and just make him run out of boxes do I need to do this I don't even think and I'm curious as as to if you can just kill him enough times that he just doesn't respawn anymore or if it's just like a, he's just always going to respawn and you just have to find find this last piece because I well I even got to the point where I got the valve put it on it turned off all the gas, but then I couldn't figure out where to run to after that. So I was just running around killing them like three, four more times before I figured out the path to go downstairs. The path downstairs isn't very apparent because you see there's like a cloud coming from one of the valve things, but it doesn't look like you can actually head down a flight of stairs right there. Yeah, It just looks like at the end to a path. But um, one thing I was going to say about the fight was there's this really good scene where you're starting to turn one of the valves and he sees you but he can't get to you so he literally snaps his own neck yeah. so he can respawn <laughs> and I was like yo that's pretty dope like I think he's just even the design of him I think is like super like creepy cause he's just like he, he literally has a safe on his head but it's like covered in barbed wire and he's got kind of like almost like a butcher looking outfit on maybe or and i can't remember i think it might be dark souls that has somebody similar to him that you fight there's like a butcher in that game and i'm also wondering if it's in um 
I guess a throwback to Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. Yeah, maybe. Which I actually actually haven't played those games, but I know he's a very like prominent character in just the fact that he was named Boxhead kind of Is he named Is he named Boxhead or are you calling him Boxhead? No, I think that's his okay, name. Okay, cuz the guy in the playthrough I was watching was calling him the Keeper. And maybe that's think, what it is. I think like I got Boxhead from a walk okay. so he probably isn't formally Okay, because I was like, why is he kept calling him Boxhead? But I didn't want to say nothing. And I actually, so I watched the guy play through this, but I didn't realize that he would just keep spawning. So when I saw him mm-hmm. break his own, or crack his own neck, I was so confused. I was like, what's going on? So I didn't draw that line between him being like Laura, though I will say that Ruvik and Laura are siblings. They, they actually are in the game, but I don't know about this character. There's a So I know Laura's backstory, because the guy that I was playing said it, but I'm not sure if it's been revealed yet, so I didn't want to say, you know, just in case. I think there was like an audio tape alluding to... Uh... Like, I can say some things, but I don't know if I'm spoiling stuff for later or not, so it's up to you guys if you want to hear it. It's, it's not uh, like super... I don't think it's game-breaking or anything, but it just... It's like a little insight. Go ahead. So, like, the reason why... I don't know why she's immune to bullets, but the reason why she takes... She hates fire is because she died in a fire, basically. So, like, she, when she screams and responds, like, I guess... I don't know why she's the way she is, except for I think it's Rubik's image of her after hearing, like, I guess he heard her as she was being burned alive or whatever... So she was making that those screams and everything. And so that's what he, I guess, I think imagines her as when she was making that noise. And I think that's what... So... Go ahead. It's almost like the reverse of every ghost story where you pretty much have to make things right with the ghost for them to be put to rest. Where it's like, well, what caused her to die... Is her Achilles heel still. Trauma to put her to rest. <laughs> it's still her Achilles heel. <laughs> It's like, oh, you died by fire, so you also will continue to die by fire. Or that's the, the thing that can hurt you. That's kind of sick. So, I think there... Does anybody else have the... I guess whenever I bought this game, I bought the Deluxe Edition. So I've got all the DLC and everything. But um, I want to say one of the DLC packs has something like... is revolves around uh, Boxhead, a.k.a. The Keeper. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. What is it? Is it like an expansion? I think like all the levels? yeah, I think all the DLC is like self-contained. So like each pack is just like its own set of levels that doesn't necessarily. You like get to play as him? I, think, <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. I just I remember seeing that as one of the images. So I, one of them you play as the female. I forget her name now. Oh, Julie. Um, Julie so I know one of them is like that. Yeah, yeah. So one of them you play as her, and I think there's one that revolves around the keeper, and then there's. I couldn't remember what the other one is, but I think I'm actually trying them out once I finish the this. The dude that I'm watching, he's a really big whore. He's a huge fan of the genre, so he has a bunch of like RE walkthroughs and everything, and he keeps calling her Jill Valentine, so I wonder if she like had, shows some of those abilities later in this game or something. But um, he, I think uh, I heard or read that there are more bolts that you can build with the DLC. More types. Hmm. But maybe you haven't got that. Maybe that's part of the experience. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, 
couple new levels with box head and some new weapons that you can do. And I guess that also brings me to a point that I'm not really sure the end game result of it, but along this entire game you've been collecting these map pieces or map yeah. something or another. And from what I read, like after you finish the game, those unlock new weapons. So just in case anybody was confused or has any insight into those. I was thinking that they were going to be something story related, but I wasn't like super vigilant about getting them. If I came across them, I did, but well, since they're called map collections or map, whatever, I assumed that, you know, they'd be map things that would tell me where treasure chests were or something fragments, like that. Map fragments. So I found one of these pieces is the only way to actually see like the entire map, um, is to find a key. Because that's when, you know, the, uh, whatever the nurse's name is, uh, once you go to the safe, the safe haven, um, she lets you into the back room. That's where the map is displayed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Is the only way to see that is if you collect keys too. Yeah. No, you can just walk. I mean, you could just walk back oh, there without okay. having a key. Cause it's, you need, one yeah. key. you need one key to get back there. Oh, hold up. So. So like, you huh, hold on. need one key for her to unlock that room. It's oh, I get what you're saying. Okay, okay, yeah, I guess. All right, yeah. Yeah. But after she's unlocked it, then I mean, it's just kind of you, you can just go, go back, back there, there anytime you yeah. go back Cause, to that. Because I was area. loosely going off a walkthrough, I wasn't following it. I was just trying to see where do I need to go in order to mainline. And they said at one point, when you go back to the safe house, she's going to show you this new room because you got the key. And I'm like, I went back and I didn't see the safe room because I never got the key because I didn't like I, I didn't go off the the beaten path. So. Like, I didn't have any map fragments or keys when I stopped playing, even though there were collectibles on every stage. Have you guys been finding keys? Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things I'm not, like, super... I mean, I am exploring a lot, but I'm I know... probably getting one per chapter. Yeah, same. It's I know, because the thing about it is they're kind of hidden sometimes. I mean, sometimes they're a little obvious, but... Um, you kind of have to look around sometimes to actually do it. And, and again, I'm exploring, but I'm not like scouring the ceiling and like every nook and cranny to look for one. But I've, I've found them a couple times and, you know, trying to explore. Trevor? Um, I've found a couple, but only because they've been in like plain sight. Most of the time they're in these little like angel statues. Always. But you have to break they're them. always in them. They're yeah, that's the only way you get them. You the, have the to. The keys are always in the statues. Yeah. But yeah, you go to the safe room and they give you little bonuses. Sometimes it's gel, sometimes it's ammo. I've had one time where I've opened one of those, uh, like one of those boxes, and then there's been like an extra two keys in there. It's kind of weird. But really? Yeah. I think the best one I found so far was five thousand gel. Um, there's ammo too. I don't know if did you already say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The cool thing yeah. about them, according to the guy, is that they're random. Like when you open it up, so you, you I, can. I didn't know yeah, that. you can open up the same exact one a million th- or you know however many times. It's not always going to be the same thing. So interesting. So there's no. Yeah, there's no like. Make sure you open these ones if you want experience, or you open these for this type of ammo. It's it's completely random. So that's what I was going to look up, and then I just got lazy and didn't do it. So what I had been doing was I save right before it, and then if I get something that I don't want then I or something that I don't really need, 
I'll just go back because there's times they they gave me ammo for something that I was already maxed out on. And, um, but you never opened the same one twice when you did that. No, no, yeah, I was always doing a different one. I didn't think about that. Know. Just keep opening yeah. the same one. Mission accomplished. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a, you know, I don't know, like say for example, there's 50 boxes. And it's like we're gonna a hundred per like always twenty of them are gonna be green jelly or green gel, fifteen are gonna be ammo and fifteen something else. Or if it's just even that's random, so like you could potentially open them up and only get ammo for your entire playthrough. I'm also curious if one this game has a new game plus, two if during the new game plus you automatically start with the keys that you had. Um... From the previous run through, I feel like it does have new game plus, but I can't remember. I'm, I'm imagining if it has new game plus, the only thing that they'd replenish is the ammo, but not the green gel, since you're starting with the same character, you know. So you've already used the experience, yeah. but I bet they replenish the ammo. I'm trying to think about how Resident Evil Four does it, because I feel like they have a new game plus in that, but everything becomes more expensive because you can get better versions well you i think that plus like the only thing you're really getting are like the things to sell right the the artifacts so that's your money in that game where you this is experience so like maybe like because everything is more expensive as you level up you know like the level five sprint is so much more expensive than like level three and level four yeah and there's no way you can get everything in a single playthrough. yeah from what it looks like at least but um, going back to the game, okay, we actually never finished the Keeper fight. So you lure him down into this area, and you climb up a ladder. He spawns, I can't remember if he spawns or he teleports up to where you are, but essentially he tries to latch onto your face. You push him down, and it happens to be the room where there's a, I guess, spike, you know, Ceiling trap. You pull the lever, and you crush his head. Pretty violent. That's actually really cool too. That that scene is one of my favorite scenes yeah. where you can see the the spikes are slowly like crushing this metal. Box. It takes a while for them to actually push all the yeah, way down. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Then like In blood that moment splatters. Of, I'm gonna die. That he has right before it happens to him. <laughs> That pretty much takes you to the end of chapter seven. Um, chapter eight. Super short. Is this one you're in a cave for most of it. I said this chapter say? is super short. Yeah. Yes. And I don't really have too much to say about it. You're in a cave. There's a new enemy here that has two heads, and if it takes a little bit of damage, it spawns a symbiotic arm from its stomach area. Actually, no, you fight these... I think yeah. you fight those guys in Chapter, seven, in chapter yeah. 7. I forgot what they're called. Let me, I'm looking it up now because uh, it's bothering me. Okay, I was thinking they were the same guys, but at the same time, I don't remember them ever spawning the arm. So, I only saw the arm because I didn't have... So I had already dumped through a bunch of my ammo before this. So, like, na- normally I was just shooting them with the rifle, and then one shot was, from that was putting them down, or maybe two shots at most... Um, and so now this is my first time of like actually seeing them uh, do that. They're yeah. called alter egos, and uh, they're like two-headed enemies that are like human slash the. It's like the human is trying to separate from the zombie-looking thing. 
So it was like a half-turned type of Yeah, thing. it's almost like the, the, the zombie was trying to get out of the human's body, but it just didn't. So it, it has like... um, I can't remember, because the guy tried to liken it to... What are the enemies in... It was the RE enemies. Uh, I think the ones that um, chomp you with the teeth. Are you talking about the Reeds and Zelda? No, 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 no. It was an RE five. They're the enemies that, because uh, this enemy has the tentacle, so it has like a that comes out of his chest, so it can grab you from a further distance. It kind of reminds me of the Plaga's enemies from. Yes, Ford. that's what he was saying. Yes, the ones that have the thing coming out their head. Yes, that's exactly. what he was likening it to. Thank you. And yeah, you can kind of tell that was their inspiration because these guys are a little bit tougher. Than your typical zombie. You can't get a stealth kill they're on slow, them. They're slow, though. They're super and slow. They're very slow, and they take a lot of damage. They just... I don't think you can crit them. They have two heads, head so... Shot. Probably not. <laughs> oh. But, um... You get past a couple of these guys. You end up finding these... Baby zombies. Does anybody have a better name for those? They are actually tiny alter egos as well. <laughs> You you can uh, kill them by stepping on them. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say I didn't waste any ammo on these. Dudes. I think I, I shot them one time and then I realized, oh, I don't have to do this. And then I was like, all right. This is where the dead space came out, where I was just stomping on everything for like five minutes. But um, you fight a couple of those dudes. You have to traverse a corridor where there's these um, the spike cannon things are shooting at you, and you have to go behind this like half cover or whatever to get to the other side get past that you end up in a spiked room with a little tablet puzzle and you get a little diary right before then where the person before you try to solve the puzzle and it's like well I have a 50-50 shot at this let me try this end of the puzzle and you see them attached to the wall I thought that puzzle was kind of clever because you look at the piece, and then there's one side that's, like, clean, and then the other side has blood on it. So then you see him there, and you're like, oh, well, obviously I don't want to use the side that's bloody because I'm assuming, you know, this is uh, that's why it's there. But uh, we use the clean I, side. I dipped out uh, briefly while you guys were talking, uh, like, Chapter 2, or I'm sorry, Chapter 5. But I really appreciate the puzzles that they have in this game. And it sounds... Are you talking about the three yes. rooms? Yes. Like, okay. I... A little bit jealous that I didn't get to play some of the puzzles in this game. Because, like, I feel like... The the Resident Evil... like, And this is my only comparison point, so I hate to keep bringing it up. But, like, Resident Evil puzzles are so... I feel like by the book... Insert this yes. into this slot There's and maybe so, rotate yeah, it. Like I'm thinking times. of like the one where you gotta shine the light so you gotta turn the mirrors, you know, to a jewel. Mm-hmm. Or like they're just like so video gamey. And like I mean obviously these puzzles are video gamey, but they're like kinda like they're they're clever. And they there's like context clues that are involved in them. And like even that one with the rooms, like, that one was, like, kind of like a Simon Says, like, right? Where it's like, okay, you do this one first, Did you, you have two choices. 
And if you get it wrong, then you do the other one. Uh, you know, you die, then you do it again. So then you do the other one. Then you go to the next room. But, like, I don't know. There, there's something about the way they do puzzles where it's like... In Resident Evil, there's not the, the risk of death in them, I guess, is one thing. But also, I just feel like the Resident Evil puzzles are a little, like, just like you said, by the book and just, like, put this thing here, solved. Because even, like, that body bag one, too, where the, the, you had the, the weights of the, the tables with the, the, the bags of the, the bodies in the bags, you know? The yeah, like, that puzzle yeah. was super cool, too. And that was more Resident Evil, but, like, this one, like, Resident Evil wouldn't do something like this. And I and I really thought it was really cool. And the other thing I really like about the puzzles in this game, even when you solve them, most of the puzzles are life and death. So, instead of killing you instantly if you get it wrong, they give you this... No, even before getting it right, I guess, would be the better way to go about it. Before you actually get through the door or get to the new area the music cues in such a way to make you, like, question whether you did the puzzle right or not. <laughs> I think that's super smart. It's very, like, so, Saw-esque. Like, you put the tablet in. <laughs> it's very Saw-esque. You put the tablet in, and then you're walking down the spike corridor, and the music cues all the way up until you get to the door, and you don't know if you have the right or wrong answer until you hit A on that door to open it. I bet if you get it wrong, you would probably die like instantly. But it, 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 I bet it's pretty effective the other way, though. If you get in it right, then you're like, oh, did I do it right? But I bet you know right away if you got it wrong. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, are you talking about the chapter 5 I'm section? I'm just talking about in general. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty obvious. You die instantly. It, yeah, so I bet it's, it's mostly okay. like really effective if you got it right and you hadn't died yet because you're thinking like, oh, did I, did I do it right? But, like, once you've gotten it wrong and you see how quickly you die, then it probably becomes less effective. It It's it's kind of funny, though, like, when you when you do, do, like, complete the puzzle and you have to walk through, like, the obstacle that the puzzle might trigger. There's, like, this little brief thing of suspense where it's like, hold up, did I do it right? Because you'll hear the music go and it's like, hold up, am I about to die? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and either you do die or you don't, but, but it's kind of funny, though. Yeah. So, you get through this puzzle, and you eventually get warped out of the cave, and you're placed into a hallway where you're chased by a giant of sorts, and you just have to run away from it. It's like an animal um, beast, isn't it? Something like that. It's just this weird thing. It's, it's like, what is that game? Not Limbo, but the other one? Um, the, the new one? Inside? Yes, is it like that? <laughs> You're just f- being followed by a, a, a mound of limbs? <laughs> kind of. But, um, you run from the dude, and it's kind of similar to the whole box head sequence where you're running down that hallway. But you get through it, but at the other side, Ruvik appears, and I think it just does a cold cut at that point. Yeah, I think that's it. It literally does. And, that pretty much... and after I watched it, I was like, oh man, I picked the perfect like ending point <laughs> for this game. <laughs> I accidentally. I was like, oh, it should be... You just need that dun-dun. Yeah, dun. it was like seven or eight, seven or eight. And I was like, oh, it's usually better to have more of the game knocked out in the first part. So you can, you know, I'm assuming the boss fight will take a while. So I was like, let's just go to eight and then we'll play the last seven for the second part. And I was like... When I saw how chapter eight ended, I was like, "Yes, this is this is fantastic." 
and I get the impression that the back half is going to be a little bit faster. Typically, like Resident Evil games and the like, the last two or three chapters are very short compared to um, your standard chapter length. So I'm interested to see how that all plays out. I assume you'll probably fight that creature that was chasing you is one. You'll probably you'll probably have a bunch of more varied boss fights. Yeah, because I'm figuring at least like one chapter is going to be a boss fight, and then there has to be some type of escape at the end. So you're you're There's probably something. You'll probably like get that. back to the hospital, I think, too. Yeah. So, do you guys have any thoughts about where this is going to go, or? what's going on in general by this point. Oh, wait. I guess the only other thing, too, is, like, Jimenez, Dr. Jimenez isn't what he appears to be. He, 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 doesn't he reveal some, like, damning information about, like, his partner and, like, what's actually going on and, like, he's saying everything is interconnected and he kind of hides the fact that he's bleeding out his nose. You're gonna have to remind me. Okay, it's it's like you. I I feel like you get teleported back to the, um, a hospital, and that room where like Mm -hmm. the central setup with that they keep flashing back to looking like the brain, wrapped up in the barbed wire. You maybe I don't think I went ahead. I I, I know what you're getting at. I I vaguely remember. Okay, because he he's in there and he has his back to you and he's like, "Help me get these things back online," and he's like, "Well, I thought you know I want to know what's going on," and then he kind of reveals that his partner and him had set this thing up and I don't remember who his partner is, but he's basically saying every everything is linked together. And then he turns his back on you, and you see like droplets of blood coming out his nose, like he's wiping it away because he doesn't want you to see. So I'm not sure if he, he there's some secrets that he has. Any scientist in any horror genre title is probably a bad except for dude. Gordon Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, he's a bad dude for never giving us episode three. <laughs> never speaking. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I'm excited. Excited. I'm not playing, but I'm excited to see like what what is going on. Like it's mostly I just want to. So I guess my question to you is: Have you enjoyed watching this game? It's more fun to watch than play. I think, like I said, I think this is a good game. Uh, I see why people like this game, um, and for me and. and even hearing you guys talk about it, Greg, like, loving the combat and stuff, like, the combat does look cool in this game. And, it, and it's kind of refreshing because, like, comparing it to, like, Resident Evil, there's, like, status effects in this game, you know? You can have an explosive thing or a stun thing or something that freezes them, you know? And, like, so it kind of tweaks the gameplay in some unique ways that, I don't know, like... I wouldn't play the game that way, but seeing other people play it that way is like, oh, cool, there's more to this type of game than what I initially thought. Like, I still think that's the best thing about the game is just kind of, like, the ways you can approach combat. Because I feel like, I mean, maybe you could in Resident Evil 4, but I I felt like, for the most part, there was, like, kind of a universal way to play that game. Uh, You know, but... Either shoot the knee or shoot the head. Yeah. Yeah, and... From what I remember about this game up until now was a lot of people saying, oh, well, this is 
literally a sequel or a spiritual successor to Resident Evil 4, but it plays like they didn't acknowledge games that came out between then and now. But playing it right now, I really think that this game does like the proper evolution that I'd like to see in Resident Evil 4 if it was to be, you know, made into a Do new you game. think that... like if the Resident Evil 5 timeline didn't happen, I wouldn't be disappointed if the Evil Within was the quote unquote successor to Resident what Evil. What I was going to ask you is do you think that if you the backlash to this game would have been as bad, I guess you could say if 7 had already come out and like it went back to its roots so people wouldn't have like the same uh held this up to the same status or whatever compared it as much to four i don't know so you're saying if this was an actual resident evil what title? I, well, no what i'm trying to ask and i'm butchering but i'm saying like if evil within had come out after resident evil 7 so resident evil okay. returned back to its roots so it wasn't in the RE4 style gameplay that it was in with 4, 5, and 6, and it returned back to its roots, do you think this game would have had the same scrutiny attached to it because it, it would seem more like a spiritual successor to 5, even though it's doing its own thing? I think people would have more associated it with 4 than 5 at this point. Yeah. And that's kind of like... It's almost like one of those things like, oh, well... People acknowledge that five is more um, action horror or whatever you want to call it than horror survival, and then they backtreaded back to four so a little do, bit. So that's the line. I do you think this game is like splits the difference between four and five? I think this game splits the difference between remake and four more okay. than anything. Yeah, I don't see any relation to five in this game really. Like, I think this is a more stealthy version of okay. four. Or a more survival or more survival horror oriented version of four. So, and you saying that the the criticism that you saw going into this game was that people, what, what say that again? So, from what I remember, people were like, "This game is essentially a Resident Evil Four sequel with a lower budget, and just didn't take any." notes about gameplay evolution since Resident Evil 4 came out. Yeah, there's... So essentially it played like a quote-unquote PS2 GameCube Xbox game despite That's it coming out That's crazy because the, the, the controls are at least like... <laughs> it, well, it's not necessarily that. It's just kind of some of the gameplay decisions as far as like um, there's some obtuse things like there's a lot of trial and error um limited resources so you can put yourself in a bad situation where you save and then now you don't have enough uh ammo to go through this particular section and you can't move and yeah, shoot. They, yeah. Take out the, they take out the inventory thing and then they kind of even take the the dead space thing where you don't pause the action but you slow it down so i don't know like it seems like kind of like not to lazy criticism but i i get like it's the probably something you saw on the internet <laughs> so like a lot of people were probably like yeah I don't like this thing and, well, and not to mention I think originally you couldn't get rid of letterbox and that was like a huge issue oh yeah 
um, because it, it eliminates so much of your sight line that like you can really get like screwed over right. a few times with just stuff coming behind you. So did anybody, due to quote-unquote artistic vision, try to play with Letterbox at first? No, no, I turned so it off as soon as I started I playing. didn't even know about it until you said something, Dante. I, I was just playing it the way it was, and there were certain parts where I wanted to take a picture of my screen because like when you're inside and like it took me... I'm not, I'm, when you go into that safe space, the safe space, like, when I first was in there, I didn't know it was a safe space, and I just thought there was going to be bad guys and stuff, but they bring the camera so close, like, to the back of the character, to the point where he takes up, like, it's not 50% of the screen, but it's damn near, like, 49% of the screen. It's just the back of your body. And I was just like, man, I wish I could, like, pull the camera out, like, some. And I don't know what it was about that spot. Cause, and then I guess maybe that should have been my tell that there was going to be no danger because I couldn't see anything. But, like, I was always super tense going to the safe space for the first couple times because it wasn't even until I did the, outli- the out- um, outline that I, that I realized that she said it was a safe haven and, like, you shouldn't get attacked there. So I, I, every time I went back, I'm assuming, like, maybe there's going to be some bad guys here this time, you know, in one of these cells. And just, like, not being able to see anything around me felt super uneasy. I hated that. See, I was kind of the opposite in that regard, where I couldn't, I wanted nothing more than to be immersed in somewhat scared while I played this game. But I was so concentrated on all of these technical things that just the graphics didn't look right to me the whole like not having darn near 40 50 percent of the screen was bothering me so i could never really get myself immersed in what was actually happening on screen and most of the time i try to go with the whole like oh well it's the artistic intent of the author thing and i was like oh the internet's just probably doing the internet thing and just overblowing it but then I switched it, and I haven't looked back ever since. I, I did end up switching like, after you told me how, but I, I, to me, it was like, I thought the switch was to, you were switching to get immersed in the world, and I was switching to, like, see, like, see more of what was going on. And, like, it, it, like, I don't feel like what I wanted it to do, it did, in the same way that it did for you what you wanted it to do. Like, when you play this game on console, it makes complete sense as to why they, they letterboxed it. Because even Letterbox, the game doesn't run super great on console. Like, it's just, like, you know, barely kind of pushing 30 frames. Oh, it's like, Yeah, so it's like... What if we cut out 40% of the pixels? Yeah. <laughs> so... And I don't know if the, did they did anybody play it here on... on uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, he played, Trevor played it on... One, right? on uh, yeah, did is there an option to turn off Letterbox on console? Because I don't know if it ever got patched in on that. I'm not exactly sure. So I'm you pretty much just sure played. There with... isn't because I was I was reading a couple articles just to see like what the consensus was whether to keep it on or off, and pretty much everywhere I read said, "Oh, PC version gets the amazing patch to disable this thing," whereas I don't think the consoles. Okay. Ever did. The only other thing I want to bring up is I think this game has I don't want to say amazing, but like very very effective sound design. 
and a like even in the menu like the loading screen with the way the water is just dripping and it just like creates a whole mood and it, it just is so like it's just it's just gross like in in the the most flattering way where it's like man like when i hear this water dripping it just makes me feel dirty and like makes you feel it moist. makes me feel more no no <laughs> this is the opposite of that yeah it's the sweat dripping off of my palms <laughs> but yeah it's just like very effective at and like kind of like what even you were saying like when you dealt with those invisible enemies where you like hear footsteps or hear like furniture or glass moving or anything like that and like sound is very important in video games especially horror games and i feel like this game does a good job or sound should be important in video games and but especially in horror games and i think this game does a really good i think job. that's a make or break thing for horror games I, I i don't play enough horror games to know one way or the other like if the ones that don't do it well, but I feel like this game does it really well. <laughs> but um, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of this. Is there any closing comments anybody wants to make about the game in general? 10 out of 10 will never play again. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll throw out my arbitrary question that I ask every time, or I guess it's not the same question, but... So we already know Marcus's horror place is a infirmary, infirmary ward or hospital area. Where is the place that you would least like to be in a horror movie? I don't know why I just thought about this, but I was going to say an airport, and I don't know why. Like <laughs> I don't I don't understand why I, that was the first place my mind went, but that was the first thing that what came to mind. Be- <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking of like just being at a like. like, I guess it was like zombies, and it's just like okay, I want to be in the most like safe space ever, or you know, with the least amount of people. And then you're at an airport. I could see that being one thing, but it's just like I'm going through an abandoned Uh, airport. It's yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just thinking of just being like, all right, man, I'm in an abandoned airport. There's like nothing here. It's just. You know, I'm thinking of all the, not empty space, but it's a bunch of space that's essentially empty, and it's like, it's silent, and it's dark, and it's like... Once you explain it, I'm like, I'm in this wide open spot that just, (laughs) for for me, it's like I'm walking down a hallway, and it's like, everything is just illuminated exit signs, is it, and then, you know, just like the light shining off of the linoleum floor and that there's some doors that are open, some that aren't there's gurneys in the hallway. And then Greg's like, yeah. And then my, my, my luggage doesn't arrive. And <laughs> <laughs> I guess mine would be like a forested area, but a forested area with a lot of bugs. Like I legit have a phobia of roaches. So I guess, like, my worst-case scenario is a giant, let's say, bear-sized roach, <laughs> like, start approaching me. And I don't know why, that like, I associate zombies with, like, zombie bugs or whatever, but if something, like, with a exoskeleton and spasm-type movements starts, like, crawling towards me, I'm done. Speaking of roaches, I'm there's done. so yeah, many roaches in this game. Yeah, I was just about game. to say, how do <laughs> you feel about all the roaches in this game? 
I'm not actually that creeped out by video game roaches. I've never guys. seen so many. It's like so many roaches that it's like, this is just unrealistic, guys. <laughs> the only game that I can think of with potentially about the same amount of roaches is PT. And that's literally like the scariest game. What about you, Trevor? I would have to say probably a ship in the middle of the ocean. Hey, man, you can drown uh, yourself in that situation. Nah, I don't know if I'd want to deal with what's under the water versus what's on the ship. Time out. You got to set oh, the God, mood. That's scary you got to set the mood. Like, we talking like during a storm or just like during a pitch black night, no stars in the sky? Like, is it just like an abandoned I mean, ship? If, or like, what about a okay. ship? Okay. Ship is basically stranded, so it has no power. Gotcha. Um, I mean. Most likely, you're you're like if it's a cruise ship, you're you're trapped on one of the lower decks, um, like the cabin decks. I I gotta ask the arbitrary question. Yes, I can. Can you swim? I gotta ask the I gotta ask the question too. Would uh you be able to share the door with your wife, or would she make you? Be <laughs> <water>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if. If there's room, I'm I'm definitely getting on there. <laughs> We're taking turns. We taking turns. <laughs> That's what immediately what I thought of when you said a ship, and I was like, like the Titanic, <laughs> like. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. So basically, we we all agree. Mine's the scariest. Got it. Got it. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna hand it over to you for the closing. And plugs all right. And well, I think we are. You're you're gonna catch up, right, Trevor? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so yeah, I'll be the only person. I'm gonna keep chugging along on this walkthrough while these guys are doing the heavy lifting and actually playing the game. So um, expect to hear part two. We'll be covering chapters nine through fifteen in two weeks. Um, actually, I think that coincides. I think that will be the Sunday. What you guys think? Should we release it on the normal schedule, or should we release it, hold it till Halloween? What day is Halloween? Okay, on? cool. <laughs> Halloween's on Wednesday, so we'd be holding like three days. It doesn't matter either way. Uh, we can probably just, just do it our regular day. That's fine. That's fine. So expect the next part two uh, to drop on the 28th of October. Um, Greg, do we have any questions? Nope. Uh, no questions this week, but... Uh... You know, you guys can hit us up at uh, mischeckpoints at gmail.com. Uh, send any feedback you got there or if you want to have any discussions about the show. And you can also uh, check us on Twitter at, uh, just to make sure, hold up, I got to pull M this up. It's mcheckpoints, there we go. Uh, you can hit us up at mcheckpoints and uh, submit any, any feedback or uh, just get involved with the show there. Shout out to Derek for showing some interest in this current episode that we're going through. Yeah, we're gonna we're Run gonna have show. to get him to first official throw in a throw in a question. Second official, second official. Um, but my Who's friend that was the Phoenix Wright fan, uh, yeah, Jonas. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're, we'll have to have Derek uh, shoot us a question or something. So hopefully we'll get something soon. You know, twenty plus episodes in. You know, no no rush. But um. Uh, where can people find you at, Greg? Oh, uh, oh, you guys can find me on Twitter at 
Boombox Hero. Facebook is the same, Boombox Hero. And on Twitch at twitch.tv xdrd magnegro x. Where can people find you at Trevor? You can find me on all streaming platforms. I'll most likely be streaming um, the rest of my playthrough of Evil Within on Mixer. And then, um, let me see, I was going to stream the second episode of The Walking Dead final season on Mixer as well. And, and probably, um, yeah, yeah, you can find me on there. What about you, Dante? Where can people find you? People can find me at twitch.tv slash awakencloud. I'm slowly going through Spider-Man. This has kind of been a project I've been on and off on. And I also plan to stream... Mega Man X6 is probably the next game on my list. So, expect seeing those two games from me. And you guys can find me uh, probably in Trevor's stream. <laughs> I've been watching him play uh, this on Mixer. And uh, I'm going to, I don't know. I've been thinking about trying to get into streaming, but we'll see. I've uh, stopped playing Cook, Serve, Delicious. I've kicked the habit. And uh, I'm kind of in video game nomad right now. I just plan plan the Halloween event for Overwatch. So that's what I've been doing with my time, not playing this game. So looking forward to next month. Looking forward to next month to be able to play with you guys. Um, hey man, you can always uh, can always start on part two. You know what I'm saying? Start part two, even within part two. No, no, no. I just meant like you can, you know, you can try and catch up with us on the second part of the show. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you've already seen like everything to be scared about. I've seen it, but I ain't played through it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I don't think, do we got anything else? It's just, I think this is officially our longest episode now. I don't know how this happened. Which means it's the best I don't know how. Through. Yeah. I don't know how this happened when there was like three of us talking and then down to two of us at one point this is insane about halfway through <laughs> i honestly thought this was going to be an hour and a half i was like well we're not going to talk about the story obviously it's just going to be gameplay and then that'll be what it story and i i kind of rushed through the story bits i tried what to story? at least <laughs> you're right <laughs> all right well uh i guess with that we're missed checkpoints and we out peace